0: Is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get into done in Cork is to <laughs> on to Neil Prenderville. you
1: know?
0: Fair play. Talk oh, to Neil <laughs> that's, that's a Cork threat at this <laughs> stage, I think. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters.
2: Morning all, Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. Uh, paperwise this morning, uh, well, obviously they had at some stage had to go to print the papers, but they were certainly watching, say, for instance, primetime, when you had headlines in the papers this morning, like saying RTE's chair future is now in doubt after a row with the minister. That was certainly calling it right by the time, say, for instance, the Independent went to bed, as they say, because uh, overnight then, of course, uh, the online editions of the pay- of the uh, newspapers uh, updated on the story, and Fiona Sheehan says that uh, the chair of RTE, Shuan Rahalig, dramatically resigned, but insists she did tell ministers officials about the exit package, um, and uh, which, which edu- exit package well uh, Richard Collins one but there are others of course because you also have the issues surrounding say for instance uh, Rory Coveney and Rita O'Keefe and others but the headlines in the papers anyway talk about the possibility of her having to go like the Mail was saying this morning even though it's it's kind of old news now at this stage Fresh Crisis and RT as the chair of the board is in the firing line um, twice this week it said that she misinformed uh, Minister Catherine Martin and of course Catherine Martin then on primetime last night stopped short of showing her confidence. Chair approved executive package. RT facing further chaos merged the board's chair as in Sioen Nyrahilig okayed uh, the executive's exit package. Uh, Richard Collins, uh, it was approved by Sioen Nyrahilig and that was not the impression that she had given of course uh, to um, the uh, Minister Martin. Uh, Calls for details of deals With the staff names removed, that could be a way of getting to find out how much people were paid in golden handshakes. We're talking, according to the Star this morning, potentially about eight members of staff who received payouts. And the word implored is being used in the Star this morning. Could you imagine having to be implored to reveal details about exit packages and to redact the names? Um, Like, (laughs) what people really want, it being the public's money, and that money, people seem to be playing hard and fast with it. We just want all of the details, don't we? It's public money, and if there's nothing wrong in it, uh, and the money was given, and it's taxpayers' money, why shouldn't we see it? Um, and there's another kind of string to the bow as well this morning with the Independent uh, talking about Toy Show the musical. Now the producers were paid separately. Uh, by RTE to come up with and write the script and do all of those things regarding the fiasco that then went on to become Toy Show the Musical. So they were paid separately by the broadcaster's commercial division. It was ill fated, um, but they obviously had to be paid for it and they did it outside of normal working hours. So there was extra money in it. But interestingly, the two producers were also granted tax exemption on their earnings. Um, It's kind of a part of, it's like artistic licence in Ireland for people involved in the arts, because a lot of them earn so little. I think it was Charlie Hawley back in the day brought this in first, because many people in the arts earn so little that it would be unfair to be taxing them at all. And of course, art is important, and culture and heritage is important. So that's another piece to it, that they got uh, artists' tax exemption on the earnings, which meant that whatever they earned from Toy Show the Musical did not have have any tax paid on it? Uh, my payday throwaway is a headline making the mirror this morning, uh, and again, uh, much of it the public's money. Where well, you have the FAI chief Jonathan Hill, he had this throwaway line that he put into an email, apparently regarding a twelve thousand euro holiday, holiday money payment uh, that he had, that he had to give back. It's, it's a kind of a, it's a kind of a complex one in the sense that obviously this is funding to the FAI from the state and from the taxpayer, and that's been temporarily suspended now. But the mayor will go into the story this morning because it was before the Doyle Public Accounts Committee. Mr. Hill said the issue of holiday pay arose in the context of another staff member applying via email to be paid money in lieu of taking holidays. That was agreed by the then finance director, etc., etc., and apparently Jonathan Hill then, in a throwaway line in an email to a junior staff member said, Can you negotiate the same for me, please? Question uh, mark, And that, of course, was before the Public Accounts Committee. Uh, it's like, it, uh, I don't know, really, uh, we need to get a handle on all of this, you know. Um, we need to get this sorted with regards to the public's finances and how different organisations are dealing with the money that they're given by people who go out to work in the morning, etc., etc., Uh, Because in the private sector, this would not be tolerated for a moment. It's very hard and fast, actually, isn't it? We see so much of it these days. Um, In other news this morning, there was a little bit of doubt for a while as to whether um, this massive seizure of €33 million worth of drugs um, weighing in at uh, something like 550 kilos, there was a little bit of confusion as to whether it actually was crystal meth or ecstasy, it's now been confirmed that it actually was crystal meth. 33 million euro worth of it discovered by Gardi in the Port of Cork. In fact, this is a typical example of how Gardy do great work because they really... Are absolutely on the ball in every single aspect of this case from start to hopeful finish. Um, now, there's very little you can say about where this is going to go next because there are two men who are being questioned and can be questioned up until around about half past ten this morning. Now, maybe it might be a little bit—I don't know—little little later than that because, as you know, you can take breaks between, um, you know, during the detention period, and it can be paused. But there, there's a ballpark time of about half ten this morning when a Call will have to be made on it as to what happens next. But one of those arrested is a well known businessman uh, who's never come to guard attention in the past, and the other is the son of a former politician uh, who's uh, supposedly a close associate of your man Maurice O'Shea Salazar the Irish Mexican who's head of the cartel's European operations so um, 33 million confirmed um, as this pair continue in court and it is uh, crystal meth papers this morning also talk about it in quite detail with them um, well, actually we'll wait and see what happens something happens throughout the course of the morning and come back to it but um, many people who listen to this radio program love their pets dogs, cats, budgies parrots, I've had them all on the air um, and anytime I do a cruelty story I get a huge response uh, phone calls, texts and emails so I pass this on to you for what it's worth it's one family, six members of the family, the McDonough family, um, uh, on a travelling site, um, were importing dogs uh, to uh, uh UK uh, from Ireland. Uh, apparently, the dogs um, were coming in from the likes of Poland and Hungary and the Czech Republic, as well as Ireland. And I, won't, I won't complicate that, but what I can tell you is that they've been jailed, um, six of them, for running a, an illegal puppy scam from a traveler site. Um, 350,000 euro worth of puppies, apparently. 11 members of the family uh, advertised at least 40 different breeds of dogs. To unsuspecting buyers, um, and we're talking about Cavalier King Charles, we're talking about Beagles, Miniature Dachshunds, uh, Pocket Bullies, uh, Bulldogs, Cavapoos, Chihuahuas, Labradors, Rottweilers, German Shepherds. All of them. So the RSPCA then uh, this probe found that some of the dogs were sold with a variety of health concerns and had been imported from Poland and Hungary, the Czech Republic. I mean, it's just the scale of it is off the charts. And um, uh, a lot of the time, people were buying them uh, thinking because they'd been advertised as home bred, healthy and well-socialized family pets. And if you you read that, you probably would be inclined to believe it. But it was far from the truth. And then another court report, and there's nothing funny about this, although you would roll your eyes up and say, oh my God, not another one. This is a court report uh, from The Independent where a woman by the name of uh, Camilla Grabsky from Ennis in County Clare. She was in court claiming €760,000 for suffering disabling injuries in a car accident that left her unable to work for over five years. So the claim was for over €760,000 in damages from the RSA. Um, And that was in court yesterday... And it took a bit of an interesting twist because she had told the court that she was suffering constant pain in her back, her neck and her spine. It left her unable to lift groceries or play with her children following the accident back in 2017. How and ever, during the court case, the defence for the RSA produced a photograph of Ms. Grabsky throwing a Christmas tree in a Christmas tree throwing competition it was actually published, the photograph on the front page of the Irish Independent in 2018. How nobody saw that, I have absolutely no idea particularly how her legal team didn't say, maybe they did, I I don't know anything about any of that, but the footage um, also shown in court Um, involving that also shows her playing wrestling with a large and strong Dalmatian dog for up to an hour and a half. So she sued the RSA for damages uh, after the car she was a passenger in was rear-ended in Ennis on her way to work in 2017 and not disputing any of that. uh, But medical evidence put before the court that she could lift a glass of water or a light bag. But if she lifted a heavy bag, she would suffer pain throughout her entire body. Now, counsel for the RSA... Um, Instructed by RDJ, the law firm. I'm assuming that's Ronan Daily Daily German out of Cork. I could be open to correction on that, RDJ. Um, Anyway, counsel for the defending, RSA, asked Miss Grabska if she ever told any of the doctors she had attended since the car accident about winning the Christmas tree throwing competition. And she responded, no, because I forgot. Um, Counsel said, did it hurt you to throw the Christmas tree? I had pain, yes, she said, but you had a large smile on your face as you threw the tree. I was smiling, she said, but that doesn't mean I didn't have pain. So I went back and forth like that regarding the Christmas tree throwing competition. And ultimately, then the judge said, I'm afraid I cannot but conclude the claims were entirely (laughs) exaggerated. On that basis, I propose to dismiss the claim. Now... I know any time I talk about legal matters and ask a legal question, guarantee I'll get a solicitor or indeed a barrister to respond to me. It happened again yesterday. It was something I was doing on the air. So I'm asking those of you legal eagles, what happens with regards to costs in this matter? Who pays the costs? Text 0868-104-106. Meanwhile, back to genuine people um, who have genuine problems and genuine struggles. Um, market rent continues to rise in Ireland. It is very close now to averaging at 2000 a month there are places clearly where it is and more but when you look at the nationwide monthly average now we are now sitting lads at 1850 euro so not too long before we'll have the 10 euro point pint and the average 2000 a month in rent can israel i'm asking you this question can israel really take part in eurovision i mean we've been saying this for a couple of months now but now that we know of the song, which is called October Rain, and some are suggesting that October Rain, of course, is a reference to the Hamas attack back in October, October. So Eurovision org- organizers now, are telling Israel that they have to change the lyrics of the song that it's submitted for this year's competition or they will be disqualified. Now, the song is sung by a 20-year-old Russian-Israeli girl and she's kind of caught in the middle of this. Um, and there's all sorts of implied references to the Israeli army, uh, to the conflict, etc., etc., etc. But at this stage, really, uh, I know Tom Dunn was talking on News Talk yesterday saying, uh, worse, the fact that... Th- Israel either should pull out of the Eurovision at this stage, or they should just walk away from the Eurovision at this stage, but your thoughts are welcome text 0868104106 I'll come back to all of the business uh, in a few minutes time, but I'm conscious of time here, with regards to what happened overnight, uh, with regards to Shunni Niratalig, the chair of the RTE board, and indeed Minister Martin, can I just, if you don't mind, uh, if I can just uh, have I got the audio there? No uh, I was waiting on audio, I have it, yes I have it here I just wanted to get some of the audio on uh, from uh, Prime Time last night. Just a, a short clip. I'll play a lengthier clip in a few minutes' time, but I don't want to keep you on waiting uh, too long. But this is just a short clip. So this will be interaction between Miriam McCallaghan and uh, the Minister, Ms. Minister Catherine Martin.
3: Have you lost confidence in the chair of the RT board? I,
1: I'm deeply disappointed, as I've said already, Miriam, but I think it's only right that um, Shun, haven't done such incredible work and Herculean her- 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 efforts, um, especially since the, the, the crisis uh, emerged in in June that she's afforded the opportunity to to talk to me so I I won't comment further on that but I'm just saying I'm deeply disappointed.
2: Okay, Sheen joins me uh, Ireland editor of the uh, Irish Independent. Finan, good morning. How are you Neil? I'm good man, I'm good, I'm good. You couldn't make this up every single day there's a a new twist and a turn so a comment like that on prime time really uh, that's the nail in the coffin isn't
4: it? I am, you you, you can't continue on uh, but like the football manager who's Told the board doesn't have confidence in him. He's got to go. So Shoni Raleigh has, has, to be fair to her, she has rather than just issued a one-line statement saying, the minister doesn't have confidence in me, I'm gone. She's come back with a fairly comprehensive statement last night, at the end of which, and throughout which she basically says, look, the minister doesn't have confidence in me, therefore I'm I'm resigning. But her her point is, I did tell you, I told you back in November there was just a bit of, of a, a miscommunication the other day. I came back and I told you two days later that actually I did know and I told you back in o- October. So there is a, an issue here now. Was this a deliberate miscommunication the other day? Was Shuni Raleigh deliberately withholding this information or was it just inadvertent, as she said, and she says there was no intention to, to misrepresent? Now, on Tony Raleigh's side, there there is there will be a record that will come out of an RTE remuneration committee meeting being held back in October to approve a deal for Richard Collins. That's basically a subcommittee of the board. That's a formal meeting. There will be a record of that. We'll get that in, in the in the in the coming days or months. We will also uh, see is there any record in the Department of the Media about Shuny Rally telling the department the following day about the Richard Collins departure and how much, how much she, she told them. So those elements of the equation in terms of key pieces of evidence have yet to come out. Uh, but Shuni rally is, is gone because as far as the Minister is concerned, I asked you the other day, you didn't tell me, you're gone, good luck, bye-bye.
2: She said that she was given, I'm reading your copy from the Indo Online, she said she was given in misinformation on two occasions this week. She says, yeah. I'm deeply disappointed. She says, I checked yeah. twice... About the board's yeah. involvement in the Richard Collins payment, I again queried, was there one hundred percent certainty the minister said she only learned about the the board's involvement um in the last twenty four hours but is it that is it that Shuni rally is saying that she told somebody in the minister's department but not the minister?
4: yeah, she says she she notified the officials uh, back in October. Uh, that that's that's what what she's saying. She's not saying she spoke to the minister at that time, and she is openly admitting that that she should have said this the other day. But she said it was a long meeting, there was a lot of questions. It just slipped. Uh, it, it just slipped. Uh, it's kind of an
2: important thing to slip by. She she used the term neglected yeah. to recollect.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so she's saying she 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 forgot. Now it does depend what question you're asked. You you just asked the question there. Did the board approve? The, uh, the package to Richard Collins. And the answer to that actually is no, they didn't. It was a subcommittee of the board that approved it. it so it, it's not the whole board. Same goes for the Rory Coveney package. Did the board approve that? No. Did the subcommittee approve that? No. Because they weren't. that wasn't the process that was in place at that time. So a new process was put in place over the summer this process was used on the on the Richard uh, Collins exit package, but not the Rory Cogney one, and it didn't involve the full board. So there is there is a bit of nuance there. You can see why there be a bit of confusion depending upon what what way the, the, the question uh, was was phrased. I mean, it it is quite strange because we're also basically told that there were these three hour meetings going on this week. Uh, two of them. And on Monday and Wednesday, there was the minister, we assume her sec gen or, or, or her officials with her. There was Kevin Backhurst, uh, the director general of RTE, and Shuni Raleigh, the chair of RTE. So basically, did Kevin Backhurst also sit there and not say anything? So that's the, that's, that's the question now. Right?
2: Um, and, and why would someone do that, knowing that ultimately, like everything, it, it, it will come out? I mean... RTE's chair, yeah. Shunni Rahelig, was involved in approving an exit package for an executive but didn't tell Media Minister Catherine Martin. That's the big headline yeah. in the Indo this morning. So yeah. it, she. Yeah. It, so the point being, if the remuneration committee of the board did approve it, did the remuneration committee of the board, is she on it? And did they tell her if she wasn't on it? She chairs she, she it. So she, she is... So the she's in the room then.
5: Yeah,
4: she's in the room. It's 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 a it's a formal process where basically, effectively, the, the chief executive is making a, a big decision about a senior staff member going out the door, and rather than leaving himself exposed, he's basically saying, "Listen, I'm going to the board and the chair about this so that they know about it and they can sign off on it." And there is a special uh, committee that is involved in in in. Comings and going, So we would uh, say, hiring somebody, they get to they approve the contract when they're when they're firing someone, they they okay. approve the contract. So he went through th- uh, that route, uh, and so that that's then when where the confusion is arising now is, well, why did you not say this to the minister the other day? The minister is clearly taking this as a as a, a deliberate uh, a- attempt to not keep her informed of of what was yeah. going on. Yeah, uh, Sean is saying. Well, it's not deliberate because I actually told you about it back in, in October. Uh, there's a record of, of, of these meetings. This is how events uh, played out. There was just, uh, it just slipped by around this week. So, yeah, th- that that's where the confusion lies. Basically. OK,
2: OK. Can, can I just ask you then, because Kevin Backhurst yeah. has been somewhat in the firing line as well this yeah. week regarding a, a statement that he made It might have been to do with Kevin Collins. It might have been to do with with Brita O'Keefe. Statutory payments that were made to them. Sure, the 450,000 could not be deemed a statutory payment. A statutory payment would be redundancy, wouldn't it?
4: Statutory payment, one's normal interpretation of that would be a a maximum of... of of 600 quid a week multiplied by two which you basically get tax relief on so it's it's kind of part of our redundancy package it's not the bulk of it it's the part that the health that the, that the state uh, helps you out uh, with in terms of availing of, of tax relief to make it uh, cheaper for, for for all concerned both employer and, and employee and everybody uh, coming together it's it's kind of to ensure uh, as well that there are you're, you're having people hear of people only getting statutory uh, when a company suddenly shuts down, is to ensure that there is some sort of payment yeah. uh, for yeah. people. So, what, what Kevin Backer said, because I was asking him back at the time, he was in his first day in the job, I was asking him about Rory Coving. I said, Did he get a, a payment going out there? And he said, No, he didn't, but people have statutory entitlements. Now, what he seemed to be meant was people have legal entitlements, and that Rory Coving was therefore entitled to a, a payment uh, as he exited. And therefore, one was paid to him. That's not what he said. That's another miscommunication. One would have to say.
2: And and why would anybody get any kind of a payment if they resign and leave their job? Ta da!
4: <laughs> That's the question. We, like this is the awesome. problem. We were told at the time that the senior executive in RTE resigned. We're now being told. Well, it 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 was a resignation, but. There was a negotiation on the way on, on on his his departure. He wanted to go. We wanted him to go. Therefore, we arrived at an arrangement. So, I don't know if you can call that a resignation. A resignation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and then they're talking about his role was made redundant, so it'll only be costing us for a year's salary, blah blah blah. So you're kind of going, okay. So then, was it a redundancy? You're not. You're you know, you're saying it wasn't a sacking, but you wanted him to go. You're saying he wanted to resign, but yet there was a payoff. So it's it's kind of a redundancy nation or something like that. We already know, but that but, but the problem is they presented this as he's resigned. That's it. But but he didn't resign because there was a settlement on the way out the door.
2: And you see, the big pro- problem for people in Ireland is all they can see here is uh, RTE. Pleading for more money, claiming to be struggling yeah. if with regards to finances, but playing very hard and fast and loose with the public's money.
4: Yeah, that, that, that's that's the difficulty. But we, we 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 had that revelation last week, bombshell really. That four hundred fifty grand was paid to a former CFO, his chief financial officer, head accountant in the organisation who left. Who resigned basically because she was replaced, and she, yet she was given a redundancy package of four hundred fifty grand, even though she wasn't being made redundant, her role wasn't being made redundant, and there was no saving to the organisation, and it wasn't approved uh, by the management, uh, let alone any, anybody else. So that that
2: rather a rather curious uh, one
4: as well, you'd have to say.
2: And also, I did read in the Star this morning uh, they're talking about eight members of staff who received payoffs. The public want to know the amounts. The public probably want to know the names. Is Are we any closer to that? Because they're speculating now in the red tops that we might get the amounts, but with the names redacted.
5: Yeah, there's a suggestion from
4: RTE that they might give the sums. We know the sums, though. I mean, the sums are actually contained in the annual report. There's two and a half million worth of what we call termination benefits is the official word for it. That are recorded in the annual report over the last six or seven years since D Forbes took over. So these are payments that only go to senior management people when they leave, whether that's a resignation, or redundancy, a settlement, or whatever you're having yourself. That's money that's paid to them on their way out the door. We know about that money. We know how much that was each year. What we don't have is the names or the circumstances in which people uh, left, and that that's the difficulty. Yeah. So and- we know we know at the moment of one, we know of four who did get payoffs. Uh, we don't know the exact figures there and there's another four that there's a question mark
2: And do you believe that both committees will continue to try and find out who they were and how much each payment was? Will the committees continue to endeavour to talk to uh, D Forbes for instance?
4: Yeah, I, I, I think they will, but I don't see them getting very far with D Forbes. D Forbes says she's ill, she's sick, that she can provide evidence of this, so I don't I don't see her uh, appearing before any any committee anytime soon.
2: And are there any more stings of the tale of this story, say, regarding... We don't know. Okay. We don't know. I mean, this, <laughs> it's like okay. half nine.
4: You talked to me yesterday morning. I wouldn't have said the chair was going to be walking out the
2: door at one o'clock in the morning, okay. you know? You potentially have so. a busy day ahead. Thanks, Fiona, as always. Okay, Appreciate thanks, taking you taking the call. Cheers. Like Fionn, she an Ireland editor at the Irish Independent and text 0868104106. While well, I have it for you here, if you didn't see uh, prime time last night, this is the second clip. It's obviously Miriam uh, O'Callaghan dealing with uh, Minister Martin, etc.
3: Shun, of course, is the chair of the board. Kevin Backhurst is the director general, the CEO,
1: effectively, she is the chair. Do you have confidence in Kevin Backhurst? Yes, I have um, confidence in, in Kevin Backhurst. I, I think he came in at an incredible um, stage of of dysfunction within RTE as it emerged and you know he came in the second week of July, everything started around, you know, at the end of June um, when there's complete chaos and we have to remember that at what he arrives at at that point in time and I think everything he's done since that has been motivated about bringing stability to the organisation and indeed everything I'm doing is trying to look at the forward-looking piece. What will bring stability to to RTE? What will restore confidence of the staff in RTE? What will ensure a better environment of culture and governance in RTE? And most importantly, to restore the faith and trust in public service media, um, which is of utmost importance, especially in this day and age. So tonight, just to be clear,
3: you have expressed confidence in Kevin Backers, the DG, but you haven't expressed confidence in the chair of Shuni
1: What I'm saying is there, an issue has emerged today um, on, on foot of me being given um, the incorrect information on two occasions this week um, and I, I'm reserving the right to make any further comment in relation to that until um, the chair is afforded the opportunity that I have written to her and, and asked her to meet me early in the morning. Are you going to
3: remove Shuni Rahala from her position as chair of the board?
1: I have to give everything consideration, but again, I, I need to hear from, from Shuni Rahali first. I think it's only right and fair that um, Shun explains this um, situation to me.
3: This is a large public organisation that is currently in existential crisis, in chaos. Is this the last thing it needs, really, for the chair perhaps to be asked to stand down? Is that the last thing RT needs? I'm just wondering.
1: It, it, well, it's certainly. Um, well, as I said, my focus is on looking forward, bringing stability. This seems to be a, yet another um, turn, um, that in in this story, um, and of course, it's it's unhelpful that 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 this happened this week, but. Um, I, again, I just want to reassure people that I'm working very hard uh, to, to bring the stability, to play my part and bring the stability of this organisation. OK,
2: so Shuan ni was obviously watching Prime Time last night, thought about it for some time, and then resigned at 10 minutes to 1 uh, this morning, saying, I no longer have the confidence of the Minister in my role as Chair of the Board of Archie, and that... As such, my position is no longer tenable. Um, Terry Prone has a very interesting online piece in The Examiner this morning where she refers to all of the ongoing stuff within RTE, the resignation of Sionni Raghilek. She says the RTE caravan moves on and the roadkill continues. She uh, calls it roadkill. Um, Probably a very accurate description as this machine keeps rolling on, kind of lost, wandering all over the road, speeding... uh, uh, knocking things down as it goes, roadkill Pat, I hope you can hold on, we got calls on the way after the break, text to 0868-104-106 Text or WhatsApp Neil now,
0: 868 the
2: Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. It's also frustrating and annoying, isn't it? And that's speaking as one who recently begrudgingly paid the licence fee only because I don't want to end up in court. I don't know, does that make me a coward with regards to everybody else who was still holding out? Uh, anyway, to the phone lines, text 0868 Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I'm going to plough through a couple of texts or calls here quickly. So your thoughts on all of this?
6: Now my thoughts on all this is Kevin Barthers was brought in last July there to restore confidence and trust in RT and I fi- I figure with this thing coming out uh, there this morning even in re- or yesterday in relation to this, uh, he has failed and on that job. Now where I He have has problem, failed, uh, is that what you're saying? He uh, he has failed because he has known about this and he hasn't brought this and his job and he's been paid over five thousand a week uh, to ref, uh, to basically bring this organisation back to a uh, people that can trust and are eager to pay their TV license and can see value for money. Uh, he has failed in an awful lot of of things. Now from day one, uh, RT is. Uh, uh, Basically, has financial problems, and unfortunately, it's not reflected in the top part of RT. So, in other words, even Kevin's wage going in over five thousand a week, it doesn't reflect. And we have a problem there with this whole thing: is private versus public? RT is is typical of the way public is. Uh, our uh, Rather than private. If this was a private company, basically these packages would not be on the table. The packages, the Bottom line is, if I was running a company, I and an employee was after costing this company X amount, and I basically bring that employee in and say, "Look, you're after. We have financial difficulties in in, in, in this company. You have uh, made the situation worse. Your job is untenable. I, I'd ask you in a nice way to leave. You can't um, do that. No you can't
2: problem. do that. No, 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 no. You the laws and the legislation companies. have changed. I'm not invo- I don't, I'm not involved in HR law. law but I know you just can't do that and not expect to have to pay money to do it you'd have to pay money to do that but But you can't be saying you can't be saying somebody resigned but still got a 450 grand golden handshake I, I would agree with you if that's what you're trying to say but you can't just bring somebody in and say sorry we're in big trouble here you being around here isn't helping you're fired you just can't
6: I know you can't but like as I said what we need to get is trust back to the public so the public needs to see that this person and everyone admits that this person was basically being paid and the company was going down and Kevin's job was to basically bring this back and bring public but you can't back trust with the public if the public can see this going on as a private um, a- entity like RT even the people that replaced Ryan Tuberty in radio and TV their wages does not reflect a company that's in financial difficulty and RT is in financial difficulty But well, there's, a cap, the now on all, there's a, a
2: cap now on all salaries it, they can't be paid more than the DG which is 275 thousand a year you I mean, seventy five thousand is a fair wage no it's a huge amount of money listen don't get me wrong it's eye watering but it's, for some of them it was twice that
6: yeah but like this is a company in financial difficulty going in every year looking for money off of our government look to be propped up every year and any company would be told look you're either basically get your, your thing in order. In other words, all these salaries need to come down and this is the, RT is top heavy and like they were on about, uh, Kevin Barkas was on about, if he brought these people into the work relation there uh, it would cost more. RT had no problem and it was said on radio stations there that RT had no problem in bringing uh, lower grade staff into the work relation. Because they the wouldn't case. call so them staff.
2: Call. Yeah, no, I mean like isn't, the issue here is that they were very economical with what really happened i mean if it had been said for instance that uh, in the case of rory coveney or indeed um, mr collins or burrito o'keefe that their situation was untenable and that a package had been agreed for them to go but that was never said it was the word resigned Um, and if you resigned in the private sector you would not get a penny
6: it wouldn't and like the integrity uh, even going back to the morals of this, morals of this and anybody with any morals and respect for people would say look I understand I'm not really suitable for this job, I understand I'm after creating financial losses for this, morally I'd actually go and I wouldn't be looking for a package and I'd be looking that I wouldn't be brought in front of courts and whatever if this was in the private sector these things would be brought in front of courts and uh, basically Lead, management issues would be brought but unfortunately when we go into the public sector there, seemingly nobody can be sacked and practice that could go on that would not go on in, in a the private
2: sector because it yeah, would
6: yeah. be an oversight in the company and I fa- I mean the failing on this was the board of the of RT, they should have been, they're an oversight body there to basically watch all this and even down to this disclosure, okay. that board is in place a number of years, this should have come up. But there's an awful lot to come up with RT, and I don't believe we'll actually see it. But what I want to say there this morning, RT is top heavy. It's financially losing money. We need to start looking at. Inve- uh, Catherine Martin has an opportunity now, and she's going fund putting funds there into media. I believe the likes of yourself and other stations should be brought up a standard, and I believe we should have proper, um, a more Thank you. higher okay. standard media. Okay this it. is where the money should be put okay. into rather okay. than the loss-making organisation.
2: OK, you can't keep... Pump, pump. Thank you for that, Pat. You can't keep pumping money into RT while at the same time, they also take advertising revenue and sponsorship. Text 0868104106. Quick comment from Colin Burke. He's a member of the Public Accounts Committee, Fine Gael TD on Cork North Central. Colin, good morning. Did this resignation take you by surprise like everybody else? Well... It was interesting. We were in
7: the public accounts committee yesterday in a private meeting. There was four of us going through the report that we have drafted on the RT. Um, debacle. battle. Um, we were going through the report line by line. I uh, suppose one of the issues that came up during that going through that report was the fact that, for instance, the um, the chair of the board asked Dee Forbes to resign. And the question I was asking at that meeting yesterday was, for instance. Did she get legal advice before she asked D. Forbes to resign? And I think if she didn't then I would raise serious question marks about make coming to that decision because it could leave um, an organization open to a legal challenge um, if there wasn't proper legal advice likewise in this case um, I was a bit surprised I think the way of dealing with something like this is to bring the person into a meeting go through the issues uh, and deal with them and then if you want to make a public announcement afterwards then that's the way to do it but
2: but, but what's she being accused of here
7: I think basically what's happened is that it appears that the <clears throat> there was a deal done with Richard Collins. It appears it was dealt with by the Remuneration Committee and then subsequently approved by the board. It appears the Minister was advised that the board weren't aware of the deal done with Richard Collins, as I understand it. Um, no, my my belief is... I just don't understand and I've raised this at public accounts I don't understand remember this was all in before the public accounts in June, July any agreements done after that there had to be full transparency and any agreements that were done then they must both the management and the board should have been aware that the general public out there would have been looking for full disclosure of what was paid out there's a substantial amount of taxpayers' money going into RTE. The taxpayers aren't entitled to know how that money is being spent. And to have confidentiality clauses written into agreements is not acceptable, as far as I'm concerned, in the time that we're in and in the fact that so much effort has been made to try and um, create credibility yeah. for both okay. the board and the team of management. Okay.
2: So this this has to do... Not just with Richard Collins' exit package, does it also include confusion over Rory Coveney's uh, exit that also well, results it, it
7: does, that, yeah. I suppose the The issue that arises there is if you ask someone to resign and they're saying no I'm not going to resign um, you're going to have to go through the process then I would presume management would have to go, go and take advice about what was the best way forward and may very well have been advised well the best way out is, is to uh, offer a package and get him to resign and I think that's basically what may have happened there but I still think there needs to be full disclosure about what was paid and how the agreement was reached.
2: What was paid uh, to everybody and who they are?
7: Absolutely everybody, because this is this is public money. This is taxpayers' okay. money, a substantial portion of the... Um, and I tell you, you know, if you, for instance, if your own station was getting a substantial slice of public money, I know you're getting some support, but uh, very little in real terms, but if you were the general public out there would be looking for to know how that was used as well and in Mm. particular because this had gone through so many meetings of the Public Accounts Committee and the Media Committee therefore the management and the board must be aware that the general public would be looking for trouble. Okay, did
2: your committee at any stage ask Siwani Ratalig what she knew about um, uh, payments that were sanctioned by the board of RTE and who she did and didn't tell? Um,
7: I don't think they. You see, a, a lot of our uh, work was done prior to the subsequent agreements with Richard Collins, and so with, you
2: haven't uh, had a chance uh, to
7: ask her. Then. No, and I think basically our, cha- our cha- we have a, a report drafted in the Public Accounts Committee. We have all of the information that we need at this stage as regards the, the issues that brought this to a head.
2: That's our job. Um, the the but get, no, but I mean, if there was, a, if there had been a meeting, say yesterday, would you have asked her that question? Absolutely, and I mean
7: like I, you know, it's, it's like everything in relation to, for instance, the issue with Ryan Tuberty, the issue about on the one hand we had uh, and I have a big issue about this, people from the internal legal office at meetings, yet no one uh, at those meetings flagged up well, is RT at risk here of being exposed on the basis of um, not everything is, is above board and therefore could we run into difficulties at a later stage. So, you know there was a lot of things happening behind closed doors and RT, you know the 75,000 to rent property the fact twice. that an agreement was done and then there's a whole lot of other correspondents making up that agreement but so you know it's just not acceptable
2: Okay, but, the Martin, but Catherine Martin says she was misinformed twice but only Rathleg is saying that she told her in October and correct me if I'm wrong and that she subsequently then told her, her department as well so is she kind of being thrown under a bus here or what?
7: Well, I, again, as I said to you earlier on, my way of dealing with this would have been to have brought the person in, go through all of the issues before any statement or any public uh, comment is made. I think that's the way to do it. You then avoid this. Question mark that's now arising as regards what or what wasn't done back in October or November. I think that's the way I would do it, and I think it's you know I think it's important to everyone. Uh, you know, the, the chair was resigned to the de- Forbes. Does a proper process that's gone through before someone is asked to resign, or their position becomes untenable? It doesn't have to be out in the public domain, but at the same time, when a decision is taken, then all of the information needs to be released to
2: oh, Okay, now the board itself um, are paid, I think, in and around 20 grand a year. Uh, it, it's a nominal fee, um, but that's what yeah, the executive it would be the same board. It's all state boards, I would imagine. Something between 16 uh, uh, and, and 20 grand a year. So yes. her, her, her going like this is another resignation. Are, are we, she, won't be, she won't be paid an exit package, will she?
7: I, I don't I'm not aware of any scenario where uh, someone resigns off a of board and that they're paid um uh, you know remuneration for resigning off a of board um the the, this is a matter of which, uh, you know, you go into the board. You your your job is to supervise and to make sure that um, proper standards and transparency is is kept there uh, in relation to the management. And once you're finished on the board, that's it. You're not entitled to any payment of any. Okay,
2: but if you're an employee, as these individuals were, okay. and they resigned in inverted commas, they get a payout to go, even though there was a lot more to it than a resignation. But right Ian who of course he wasn't an employee he was all but sacked but he gets nothing
7: yeah but then again remember he got uh, two lots of 75,000 where there was nothing delivered for that two payments of 75,000
2: no it's just so because he was a contractor he wouldn't be an employee were he an employee things would have been entirely different wouldn't they because the 75 grades are were different
7: but it, again it depends on the circumstances and it depends as you know labor law is um you know cases going before the WRC uh, and before the, um, you know, the, the whole labour law issue is interesting. It's a case of, of how uh, a dismissal was handled and how um, how, how it was happened uh, handled by the management and okay. the processes that were gone through before the dismissal occurred. Okay, is, 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 whereas, is there? Whereas Ryan had his own contract with with RT, but he had a contract. It was a company. Uh, owned by Ryan Toberty that had the contract with RT, not Ryan Toberty himself
2: Is this this destined to play on even more um, uh, as I say, Terry Prone calls it the ongoing saga of roadkill Do you see more roadkill?
7: Well I think what we want to do in the Public Accounts Committee is get on and do our job deliver a report, set out recommendations But I mean
2: in the sense that is Kevin Backhurst safe?
7: Well, that's a matter for, I suppose, the board of management to deal with initially. Now, is the board the, safe? Well, that's a matter for the minister. in it's case of, you know, the government may very well decide um, is it time to start with a fresh start, with a totally new board and a totally different approach as regards how we manage RT. And then there's a whole. Do you issue think of they RTE should that,
2: start with a brand new, clean the slate? well i think we need to get
7: a little bit more information about i i still have a major issue about the the um clause in agreements um which uh, non-disclosure clauses in agreements i think it was wrong that they were put into agreements where people were leaving when they knew, each and every person knew that this matter was going to again come before the Public Accounts Committee and the questions would have to be asked okay. and as regards full accountability about all money is going through RT. But that's not what I'm asking you
2: I'm asking you you're, as your own you are a member of the Public Accounts Committee on the basis of what you've seen heretofore should the entire board go? Well I, th- I think that if we cannot
7: get Transparency about what was paid out to individuals. I think the board have serious questions to answer, and if they're not able to answer them, then I think we have to look at
2: is it time for replacement? Okay, thank you for that. You answer the question. I'm obliged to you for it. Colin Burke, Minister of the Member of the Public Accounts Committee, Cork North Central, TD. Text 0868 104 Back after 10. The
0: Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM
2: conversation that matters. Oh, massive response by text. So I'll read out some of the text now and more later on. Uh, Shunni Rahalik is gone. The minister on Backhurst should follow her. Shunni and the board members that are left are all XTG tg One can only guess the goings-on in that place. Shunni also forgot about asking D Forbes to resign. Now, there's a lot to digest in that text. Um, I don't believe that all of the board are ex-TG Cahar members, but Shuni Rahalik is a former TG Cahar chairperson, all right. And with regards to show Ni Rahalig forgetting to ask. He also forgot that she asked D Forbes to resign. Uh, Ni had kept Minister Martin in the dark about the fact that she had asked D Forbes to resign almost a week before the scandal about misreported payments to Ryan Tuberty became public. Like, for instance, June 16th, apparently Ni asked Forbes to resign. 22nd of June, Tuberty payments became public. 24th of June, the minister was not informed during discussions that the chair had asked uh, D Forbes to resign. This was like eight days later. Forbes had been suspended from her role at that point and then went on to resign herself two days later. Just to clarify the point. Uh, would you think the RT fiasco is another huge distraction to the pedal across corporate media? I certainly think so. Well, I might if I could actually understand. So maybe you'll just develop your text a little further. We've gone from a position where there were payments to Ryan Turberty of lesser amounts of money to exit packages worth hundreds of thousands for executives who can't stand the heat anymore at the pack. The chair of the RT board, Shuni Raleigh, is going to get a fortune now that she has to go. That's highly doubtful, I would say. They're all looking for parachutes, Neil, now that the game is up and the government won't give up until they get all answers. RT executives are laughing at us. And there's no reason to pay the licence fee because it's being squandered on the very greedy RTE. Um, Kevin Becker's the DG defended the exit packages last night on television, but wasn't challenged on the huge size of the packages by the news anchor. RTE are still trying to control the scandal; it's just getting worse. Ryan Tuberty doesn't look um, well. Uh, let's uh, you know what I appreciate what you said, but I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave Ryan Tuberty out of this because this has got nothing in any way, shape or form to do with him in this regard. So we'll deal with Ryan Tuberty when, when the issue arose with regards to Ryan Tuberty, but this isn't, this isn't one of them. The RT debacle is a prime example of mainstream media and D4 types and their utter contempt for regular taxpayers. In fact, some in D4, Dublin 4, can't even understand why there's a controversy in the first place. Um, Can d Forbes not be summoned to appear before the Public Accounts Committee in this country? Those at the top of the pile who deal with taxpayers' money are abusive as ever with the money and they all just walk away... When when the questions come out, Nirahele told D Forbes to resign, and in doing so, allowed her to walk away uh, and not answer questions. Can I just be fair in this regard? Uh, D Forbes has said that she is unwell and she's too sick. Now, that's what she is saying. Okay, uh, and people are entitled to say that. It might be, it might be frustrating, but that's what's being said. However, I did read somewhere during the week that a a remote access to D Forbes might be a solution where it could be a Zoom call or something like that from her place of residence. I I don't know whether that will will hold any weight or whether that one will fly. This is a joke going on longer than the event centre throwing money away. I asked if there was a regulator for RTE. Is the regulator the minister? If so, she was sitting on her well-paid ass. Should I pay my television licence? Well, that is a question only you can answer, Frick. Um, uh, you haven't paid it and you have a summons to go to court for that. Uh, I thought you were holding out for the court date. Why at the 11th hour did RTE not appoint... Uh, OK, I won't go into that one because I'm not quite sure whether or not it will stand up to the acid test of law. Backhurst was the preferred candidate for the RT board. Wasn't there a guy from Mon post who was awesome in the running but maybe not liked by the board? Don't know. I I, I don't know. Kevin Backhurst definitely has to go, Neil. He was supposed to clean things up uh, when and what he did instead was offer redundancy, inverted commas, to two people who resigned so they wouldn't have any further questions to answer. Thank you for that. We'll draw a line under it for now uh, and move on to other calls after the break but I did mention with regards to Israel, first of all there's the question as to whether Israel should be in Eurovision at all and are there serious questions about the lyrics of the song that Israel are putting forward for Eurovision. The whole world put sanctions on Russia Neil why is Israel being tarred with a different brush? Because many American top officials are Israeli citizens I suppose and we do what america does um yes 100 um, percent there is apartheid going on illegally occupying palestine and committing acts of genocide no place for that in eurovision ireland should also be banned it's not a song it's screaming towards their satanic followers followers um evil worshippers. The Irish Eurovision entry. The Eurovision Song Contest has always been political. Let them enter and see how many countries will vote for them. It will identify the countries who support the occupation of Palestine and genocide. As in, let Israel in and then see who votes for them. See if they get out of the qualifiers. Um, Yes, allow Israel to be part of Eurovision, but but boo the performance or at least the crowd at Eurovision boo the performance when Israel takes to the stage. Text 0868 Call's on the way.
0: Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM.
2: I just finished uh, just hear the ad there, I just finished season four of uh, True Detective. I won't spoil it for you. It's very good. I mean, it took a bit of a lull in one or two of the series after a great start uh, with Woody Harrelson and, um, and the gang, but uh, it's back with a vengeance now. Season four is great if you're making your way through True Detective. Jodie Foster's on fire. I mean, God hadn't seen her in years and then she came in and as the lead in season four and she's just fantastic. Uh, I, I, I hear um, a kind of a weekend binge coming on for some of you maybe uh, with regards to True Detective. Meanwhile, I want to talk to Jillian in a moment but before that, I want to make sure that she hears this because this is from a fellow um, colleague working in housekeeping at the CUH. Um, and let me just give it to you. It says, it's so so bad uh, to work in housekeeping. Work has definitely quadrupled. There is no support. These are the men and women that did everything in COVID and still got no recognition, got bypassed for an increase in wages uh, when other departments went up a pay scale, remember? And still we are expected to cover multiple wards daily. Most wards are not even being covered at all by housekeeping. We are doing our best without support. We are doing our best without help. Bodies are broken. Our spirits are shattered. But yet we're expected to keep up with a massive turnover. Housekeeping is the forgotten department in this hospital because all we are looked at is just cleaners. But that's not true, as if there was anything wrong with cleaners. But that's not true, as we are highly skilled workforce who work as hard as everybody else and still turn up every day regardless of how bad we get treated. We are the most important in preventing the spread of infections. I'm always saying it, without housekeeping, doctors, nurses, etc. cannot do their job. Personally, if there's ever another pandemic, I won't be running into it. And I think housekeeping nationally will be the first to give the government a one-minute applause because they can run into the fires themselves instead of us. I think it is everyone's way of thinking here now. It makes me so mad to see my colleagues so upset, crying, absolutely broken, and I don't say that lightly. The funny thing about this hospital is that if HICWA come, management get told in advance... What's the point of having them? It's very dangerous to work in any hospital, but in housekeeping especially, it is frightening and so sad to see grown men and women verbally mistreated by some management. Being told no job evaluation was the start of the straw that broke the camel's back. But I never thought that the way we got treated... Uh, to this present day would make me actually hate my job I loved going into work I genuinely loved my job but I can tell you people don't like it anymore the fear, the dread the worry of what's going to be said or how many wars we have to do I have to try and cover and that's all it is trying to do what we can in very little time and still maintain the high level of cleaning I go into each room still with the thinking of it being my family in there and I wanted to be clean and spotless. But they are not clean. The supervisors don't train new staff because they don't get paid for it. Imagine that, not getting paid for it, like we did, very ironic, yet they're throwing us on the wards and we have no choice but to train them ourselves because it's the right thing to do. And our goal never changed. It's always been the prevention of infection Clean it correctly, as we are very highly skilled workforce. Don't know whether you get an opportunity to read this out, but I hope at least you'll read it yourself. Well, read it myself, and I have read it out. And I want to bring Gillian in, who also works in housekeeping and has done for nine years. Gillian good morning. Good morning. No okay, so you're hearing that that email from a colleague of yours, yeah. but you're hearing it for the very first time. Would you would you go along with yes. it? Do you agree with it?
8: Oh, I agree with it. I would. Yeah, I would agree with it. It's just, um, like, they're after bringing in this embargo, no we not taking on staff, and we can't get our holidays, and they expect, like, today, no, I'm working today, and there is no one with me on my own. So I'm, and I have to go multitasking now today.
2: So can I just deal with the with the holiday aspect? Uh we regret to inform you that the approval of annual leave requests for the next few months will be very limited due to the embargo that was put in place. This is an embargo on hiring staff in the in the in the health service. Um we are unable to hire any new staff to cover the existing leavers. So what are you, what are you what are you guys being told housekeeping that you can't take your holidays, is it?
8: Well, we're not being told anything. It's just a notice went up over where we clock in and out. No no communication whatsoever from anyone. We're just was just there. And, like, we're just being... And then you inquire, and they just said, I don't know, it's just a notice gone up. But we just... No one seems to know. We're just not getting... Not everyone, up, but certain people are just not getting holidays. They're saying it's just... They have we
2: appreciate your understanding. We don't have the cover for annual leave. And yeah. on that basis, we're unable to... Um they're saying only apply for leave if it's absolutely necessary. Not quite sure what absolutely necessary means.
8: Exactly. We don't either. That's what we asked them. What does it mean? And no one
2: can answer us. Um, what about... OK, That that is, a, that is an issue without a doubt. But what about the email uh, that talks about conditions of work um, and all of the wards that need to be covered and the lack of staff... Um, this email is actually yep. saying that people should be aware that the wards aren't necessarily clean.
8: Well, it's just not like they're not being covered to the standards that it should be covered. Like I I do the auxiliary side of it. I'm in the kitchens and I do this, this, uh, cleaning as well. And like there's a the person on floors with you, but the floors are not being covered majority of the time. It's just the kitchens. The kitchen has to be covered like every day. So they cover the kitchens faster than they cover the floors. So the
2: kitchens are priority, but the wards priority. are not, is it?
8: When the kitchens and the wards are priority on the wards.
2: So, but you said in your like text the that the wards, some wards, don't get cleaned because of staff shortages. That's
8: the clean inside of it. That's yes. the because one. The I'm, I know.
2: Right that's it. your. I know it's not your area, but the emailer is saying exactly what you have said in your text that the wards are not being cleaned because there aren't enough staff to clean them. Now, yeah. like this, this is very, very serious when it comes to infection yeah, control. Yeah. Like,
8: I'm on my own now today. There should be two of us here. And I'm on my own now today because they don't have enough cover. So she's trying to get someone to come in later on. Okay. I don't know.
2: So you're on your own doing what exactly, Gillian?
8: I like I do the breakfast now and I just attend to the bathrooms and the, or the bathrooms. I just keep on top of them and make sure everything's topped up and everything.
2: Okay. So I you no, so you work there. in the ki- so are you are you kitchen cleaning? That's what yeah. you do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. you, so you've got yes.
8: what bathrooms do discharges and all that as well when they go home.
2: Right. What bathrooms? Got,
8: uh in the back in the bedrooms of all the bedrooms of the patients in the ward. In all the wards. Uh, no, my own ward I'm in a particular ward like. Okay, and how many of them would there and, be? And there's five, like ten, oh, fifteen 15 bathrooms.
2: You you alone have to stay on top of 15 bathrooms and all of the clean, cleaning of the kitchen department?
8: Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. W-
2: one person? One person, Yeah. Was it always that way?
8: Yeah, but you have someone else with you didn't to help you with the discharges. They'll help in and they'll fall in with you and then give you a hand with the, the bags, so emptying the bags and the linen and all that. Because we have to do all that extras as well, Like,
2: Are you not exhausted, though, on your own? Of course we're
8: exhausted. It's just... Like this embargo, just test. It's just housekeeping again. Once again, we got targeted again. Like in all the departments, no one got this email. No one got this letter about the holidays. Just housekeeping in the whole of the CUH.
2: And there are many yeah. different um, employment departments within the CUH, of course. There's physios, no, there's,
8: there's, there's care assistants, there's porters. Do you know, what? not not one of them got this email or letter from me know it's just housekeeping again, we're always being targeted it's just so unfair Why, all the time. why,
2: why is like, that? Again the emailer says exactly like you, housekeeping is the forgotten department because we're looked at technical. as just menial cleaners Yes Why is that? Why is that when when the hospitals have to be so clean and Cleaned. so hygienic yes. and so sanitised? Yes
8: they don't have, All we're being told is we don't have the staffing and that's my problem. Like we had, no, literally recently, we had a housekeeper. She was on the panel for, to be a supervisor. That's fair enough. They were short supervisors so they, they took her on. So that's st- also another housekeeper
2: again. And if somebody leaves from housekeeping, are they replaced?
8: No. No. No, not at the moment with this embargo going on.
2: Oh no, but that—but this is just to replace somebody. It's not hiring additional staff. I mean, you could have, say, in a in a calendar month, what if three or four people
8: coming in doing overtime? People are trying to—they're asking people to come in do overtime and stuff.
2: But if—but if if in—I'm just giving an example. Say, in the course of a calendar month, if four or five staff within housekeeping get other jobs or better jobs or Mm. just want to quit their job, sure, like so, there's no cover there, no because there's going to be natural movement of people like over yeah. time numbers will continue to drop but the work still has to be done
8: the work still has to be done not, there's no cover
2: there no And what? No. Can, can I get the sti- I had statistics earlier in the week with regards to the amount of money that the HSE paid out to agency staff do you remember that it ran into hundreds yeah. of millions yeah. of euro are you aware of that that they pay agency yeah. staff then huge money instead of employing directly themselves
8: Yeah, I heard that right, yeah.
2: 430 million on agency staff in in eight months alone. 430 million. Mm. But they don't replace staff doing very critical work when they leave.
8: No, no, they just don't replace. No, there's no replacing. So that's what they're saying, there's no replacing for people leaving. They can't cover the
2: holidays, the staff is not there. And but that's like, the only that's the only
8: outside of here too. And I like I do love coming into my job. I love going in and do you know but it's just getting harder and harder. Getting very, very hard e-mailer
2: to The emailer says here um that if HICWA are or or do a visit that the management get told in advance. Do you know yeah. when a HICWA visit is health and safety? Yeah.
8: Yes. Yeah. yes yeah. yeah, we all know. Yeah.
2: What kind of notice do you get?
8: Um, like sometimes, like you, like it happened. I don't know whenever it was the laughter, and like you get a couple of days notice, or you could find out that morning you come in saying they got wind of that they're, Hick were on the premises. So
2: well, if it's that morning, that's not really advanced notice, though, is it? If they're on the premises, yes, yeah,
8: that's what But it, we normally get a couple of days notice. We normally do get a
2: couple. And of what days. happens in the couple of days before Hick will come?
8: Extra cleaning. Literally, extra, extra clean, and try to be done. And they're trying to drop one thing to do another thing. All pins.
2: Okay, okay, all right. Let me talk. Let me talk Hello. to to Mark if you don't mind. How long are you working yeah. there, Gillian? Um,
8: nine
2: years. Nine and years. are you happy to stay on, or are you looking for other work? Or? Oh
8: yeah, no, no, no. I love my work. No, I love my work.
2: All right, okay. No. Thanks for that, Gillian. It was previously revealed, incidentally, that the HSE spent around six hundred and let me get that figure right because I get boggled with the numbers. 619 million euro in agency staff costs in 2022 619 million in agency staff in 2022 and 568 million in agency staff in 2021 I mean like again is there any captain to this ship that we call Ireland at all I wonder and in 8 months recently another 430 million total those 3 figures up there Kev if you don't mind as to agency staff in the last 2.5 years uh, just, just, yeah, just add up those three. If it was three calendar years to me, and we'll get we'll get stuck into that figure if you don't mind, because it's mind-boggling. It's just something very, very wrong. Mark, good morning. Morning. What 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 do you what do you think of those numbers on agency stats? Um, 619 staff, added to 568 is uh, that's that's um, that's over a billion and another one it's about maybe 1.5 billion 1.6 billion on agency staff in 3 years i think it's scandalous 1.6 billion and they're short of so and they're short of staff then within the CUH to keep the wards and the... Do, do you guys also do cleaning, deep cleaning in, in, in surgery?
9: Well, where I work, I work in any, So nearly everything we do from COVID, could be TB, scabies, anything, they're all deep cleans. Wards, everything has to be done. Um, and is it, is, it, it, is it being done? No. My, part, my job, I can do but there's leads and medical equipment and beds and stuff like that, and they're not being cleaned. And the pro- and what and is... care assistance.
2: Sorry, go, I won't interrupt you, go ahead. Start start. No, you're saying that, just tell me what is and what isn't. I won't interrupt, go ahead.
9: I have to go in and I have to sanitise if it's COVID, I have to sanitise the walls, I have to... Anything that's touchable, sinks, um, tables, chairs, all, I have to sanitise all that, wash the walls, wash the floor. It's a health assistant or a nurse's job to come in then and clean the bed and all the medical equipment and the leads. And once my job is done, I've done it for the best part of three years. People wouldn't come in and do their job. We picked it up. So when banding came in, when the the other staff got their pay rise, we refused. We said, we're not doing it. We're already... When I go into a room, there's a, a yellow bin that's for discarded stuff that's contaminated. I have to take that bin out close it, put a a zip tie on it and take it to a trolley. A porter comes in, he takes that trolley away, he just handles it he doesn't have to go into the room or the contaminants and he's got a pay rise and it was denied to us. This is across all the housekeeping.
2: You were denied that
9: pay rise? Yeah, we were denied the the, the pay rise and when we went about, we were told this job evaluation doesn't apply to us.
2: That's what our emailer said originally, that the uh, housekeeping department is forgotten department because they're looked at as just cleaners uh, I can't That's
9: the attitude. I was a cleaner before this in a different job and the attitude is they're just cleaners. There's plenty of people will do their jobs.
2: Okay, so where is that part in the email where they talk about job evaluation does not apply to housekeeping? Yeah. Now, when I, I broke my arm last year, no big deal. At one stage I went to the A&E. Um, it, it's in a state of crisis and it was in absolute... Managed chaos, no disrespect to the staff, they were doing the very best they could um, but it was just grindingly slow, the process. But at one stage I was sitting in a cubicle but I could not sit into that. You know the little cubicle, it's glass panel and a chair in the middle of it? Uh, pods, no Pods, thank you for the word, pods. I wasn't allowed to sit in that until a staff member, probably one of your colleagues, came along and totally disinfected the entire pod. Fair play. right? Yeah. That, is, so, so, that, but, so I want to be fair, that is happening.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what is... Where what, we work, there's usually
9: five of us. And because there's staff shortages, on a lot of days, they could take one or two people away from us, at least three. So there's three people doing the work of five people, which we physically cannot do. So the cleaning standards and the sanity is... Things that need to be sanitised cannot be sanitised properly because there's not enough staff.
2: Okay, so let us look at the wards then. You said some wards go without full cleaning because of the lack of staff. Um,
9: I can't, I, I can't talk about that Neil, because I, I'm not in the wards. I'm in any.
2: Okay, okay. Well, a texter says you can have patients mixed with flu, mixing with COVID patients. Cleaning staff aren't told if a person has COVID. Often doors are left open and they could be closed. Uh, they should be closed yep. to reduce spread of infection. A texter says some wards go without full clean because of lack of staff, and this could be up to including very very serious cross infections. I'd, as in, yeah. COVID patients could make other people sick.
9: Yeah, we've had COVID patients, and I I caught the flu after Christmas because of a, a patient with the flu out of his ward just walking around, out of his room just walking around. And um, we've had COVID rooms. Where the patient is taken out, the door is wide open. The door is meant to be closed to stop because it's airborne. We're not thought about it when we walk in. When we get sick then there's no cover. So there's extra pressure put back on the
2: clean staff again. And if staff, again, just to reiterate a point that I was talking to Julian about, if if staff leave, they are not replaced? No, because of the, the recruiting embargo. Okay. But yet there was been £1.8 on agency staff in three years. Uh,
9: agency staff doesn't apply to housekeeping, as far as I
2: know. I'm oh, not saying that, but it's, uh, yeah, but it's still a one point. It's still a one point eight billion euro budget that's being spent on agency staff, while not replacing people who are leaving housekeeping.
9: Yeah, that money could be put to better use if, 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 if the will was there.
2: Okay, okay, okay. Um, what else am I seeing here by text that I'd like you to maybe comment at? What's the atmosphere like in the job?
9: Um, I, there's a lot of resentment because of what we're expected to do. Um, the banding was a real, real issue with us. The which? Because we're doing the exact the banding, we're doing the exact same job. Being moved up uh, the
2: bands, yeah,
9: yeah. Yeah, they moved they, yeah, they up the band, and yet again, peanuts forgotten.
2: And do you do you do you get to talk to management to express your concerns or are you know or is or are they is it unheard when you do? Uh, as
9: in talking to my supervisors.
2: Anyone, right up through the chain of command, are they aware?
9: Oh it's it's just it just gets forgotten or it's just always oh, do what we can and you'll we'll never hear any more those Okay.
2: Okay. Okay, it's worrying. It's very worrying. Can I can I just ask you as well? Because I've also been receiving over the past few days um, a lot of unhappiness with regards to, and this might sound like Mickey Mouse to others, but it seems to be an issue for staff. All of the parking spaces are gone for staff, are they? I see here in I see here in, in, uh. in, Cor- I see here in that there are now shuttle buses, and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars parked up by CUH staff. Yeah. Yeah Okay um, And not, not just here I believe believe also um, There are three or four Other different locations Where you park up And get the bus to work Is that is that working out? That wouldn't apply to me
9: Because I'm I'm on a bus uh, I'm on the 216 um, okay. bus route So I can get the bus But that's an over journey To me in the morning
2: Okay Uh, I just see somebody saying here and an old home well it doesn't apply to you but somebody says regarding the parking some people are commuting up to an hour um, as a result of moving the 5,000 staff parking 5,000 staff parking places in CUH was there? Yeah Wow. And many are leaving because there's too much hassle now to get to work. We have one woman who comes from Limerick and others need to get three buses. Um, why is it a hassle, though, to, to park up, say, in Karaheen, um, and get the shuttle bus to the CUH? Because oh, in the past you were allowed to just park at the CUH, was it?
9: Yeah, I I I, I have a car. And I, I used to park, but since the parking is gone, I've, I've had to rely on bus. So to get parking even when there was parking you would have to be in at quarter to seven
2: if you didn't get in by then there was no parking space
9: so if you weren't in if you were in quarter past twenty past seven you would find it extremely difficult even when there was parking to get ok but course. what's
2: the what's the general vibe at CUH with regards to losing all the 5,000 staff parking places
9: uh, a lot of people are angry it's, it's, it's extra travelling
2: oh sorry I don't know you're still there are you still there on, on four. Sorry about that. You say what do you say that there's no apologies. Let me get let me get Mike on the air. A lot of people are angry. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Ian. How are you buddy? um I gave out the numbers there a while ago. One point eight yeah, billion. To, over, to, yeah. Too to shocking
5: Um I suppose like going back to them from the housekeeping side of things there, where we were just talking to Gillian, There's a lot of things that can be done, and like there's a lot of fingers to be pointed.
2: And I suppose the first thing like. You, are, cool you, are you in, in HSE employment? I am indeed, I'm in housekeeping I'm Okay, in housekeeping thank you, balance. thank you, go ahead, you have the floor yeah.
5: So I suppose like like the first thing I suppose with with the likes of COVID and everything really inside in, in people's words, they should have a COVID team, in, a, a COVID fumigation team, in. so when things like that come up, that there's actually a team of people that will come up, especially for fumigations, to get the work done for the necessary other jobs to be done and this, is, and this is why the shortage of, of, of these things aren't being done. Are there
2: many COVID patients now in CUH or do you have that
5: information? There is. There's, there's COVID and flu and there's, there's every kind of a name coming out every day. So There's, there's, there's so many different variants of things. now. it is unbelievable. And like Gillian was saying there and Mark was saying, you know, you could go into the rooms in the morning and you can be dropping off your water or whatever and doing your bits and pieces and there's nothing in the room. And you come down at 10 o'clock, oh no, sorry, you can't go in there. That's COVID. I've been going in there for the last three hours.
2: You but know, but uh, are, housekeeping, you, I, are housekeeping wearing masks, though, Mike? We are indeed, yeah. yeah, we are, and, yeah. and gloves. Wearing glo- well, of course, you are wearing gloves, yeah. Gloves and masks.
5: So, is it and not, I mean, forgive me now, but so is it
2: not, is it not a, a risk of the job then that you're going to be going into places like that and it's part of the risk? Surely it's part of the job. But, like, these things. These can, these can, these things cannot be
5: changed. If they did, if they put their ragons together and decided, actually, do you know what, lads, we actually, we actually have a plan, we actually have a plan in place to improve these things. I mean, I, that's the first thing that should be done anyway, straight across the board. And they're not doing it. They should, they should have a fumigation team to go in and say, right, lads, ring this number. They'll come up. We have a team. We have something in place. They have nothing in place. Nothing in place. So what happens then is, like. I'm on the walls the same as the left, you know, and I'm I'm like Jillian there, I'm in the wards, And, you know, you're up there, you're trying to do your own jobs. Next thing, if your comes up and you're saying, oh, you know, and I do this and I do that, next thing you're ringing down for help, sorry, we've no one. They've no one because of the embargo. Like, how can you, uh, like, if you went in for a meal in town into a restaurant well, they catered for 70 people. How could you do that but two razors?
2: Mm. It's, impossible. A, it's a little and, and like bit more the, serious than that. I know what you're saying, though. Uh, this yeah, is, this is all, hygiene. Yeah. This is sanitation. This is a hospital. Of course it is.
5: That's what I'm saying. There's more to it for us. But you get for them, You get what I'm yeah, coming I do. from.
2: No, I do. It's, I mean, I can see, I can it's see it's the impossible. results of chaos. And um, the original emailer here, whistleblower, if you like, said, I loved going to work. I genuinely love my job, but I can tell you people don't like it anymore. The fear and the dread and the worry of what's going to be said or how much work I have to do and how many wards I have to cover, um, that's all it is. It's trying to do what we can in very little time and we're still expected to maintain the high level of cleaning. But, but You know what the word is there, and I'd be very blunt to you, is you're a dog's buddy. That's it. You're a dog's buddy. But you're not disrespected, though, are you?
5: <laughs> Come on, you've, you've, you've been talking about it there for the, for the last week. You're a dog's body because when you go in in the morning, that's your floor, right? So when you ring down and you say, look... It's like, I mean, we can't put it all on management. We can't put it all on labor management. But if I ring down in the morning and say, right, I have two COVID rooms here. Uh, I've no one. Um, the, the, the floor staff may be gone home. They go home at half past four. That's fine. Their shift is eight to half four. But it all seems to be around the half four mark, right? There can be loads of bodies around. There. there can be no one around. So then at half past four, you're stuck on your own. So you could be, we'd say, half past three in the evening. A lot of the floors would have their dinners dinners at half past four. So you're expected to go in, do a full fumigation, come out, do all your necessary bits and pieces and get set, get set for dinner. And that's not what's happening. What's happening is, is the trolleys are racing down the corridor. The catering staff are getting pissed off because you're not there. You're pissed off because you're inside doing a job that, obviously, we, that has to get done. But like, for, like, we're talking about the HSC. I mean, put your brains together and, and say, right, this isn't working and it's going on for long enough we need to get fumigation uh, a team in place we but need to have we need to have these things in order you have to get your ducks in order in order to do a job properly but if
2: there's a recruitment embargo across the HSC right and that was alarming right. when, I, when I heard that I was quite alarmed at that. Alarming, I, was, yeah. I was thinking the, like one of the only places where we don't have enough people as it is was within the HSC and now there's a recruitment embargo so that, so it means nobody's being hired but there's no one replacing wastage or people leaving the job or people getting sick. Correct. Unless Correct. they, yeah. unless, I just want to understand this, the logic of it. Unless they spend 1.8 billion over three years on agency staff, but that agency staff does not include housekeeping, is it? Correct. Correct. So housekeeping really is... Um, so
5: housekeeping are getting nailed from the minute they walk in the door in the morning. You're up against the brick wall. And it's a case of how many of them can you climb? And if you can climb enough, we'll put up another four in front of you. But why, why doesn't senior
2: out? management know that actually, lads, this is a very risky business? And Well, I suppose
5: senior management do know, but what, what, what's going to be done about it? Like, what's going to be done about it for us? Because, I mean... Well what 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 do we do? Like we've gone down union going down to, uh, talking to union and all this. That that doesn't seem to be happening inside the hospital at all. I, I I don't know what, what union urgent help us. We're paying it we're paying we're paying into the union. To be giving us this information, we should be sat down and be told, right, lad, this is what's been going on. This is what we should have to go and ask and, and okay. prepare for. And I, this is what we need to do.
2: I, I, I don't know why that doesn't happen. I mean, you know, unions yeah, are there I, for that very well, reason. Well,
5: I tell you if, you, if you don't know, then, you know, yeah, but, I mean, but, it,
2: it, it's crazy. All right. Okay. So, to add insult to injury then, housekeeping got this note pinned up on the wall I believe or on some kind of a board saying we regret no, to inform correct, you'll be correct or pinned on a piece of paper pinned to a board we regret to inform yeah. you that the approval of annual leave requests for the next few months will be very limited due to an embargo no other department within the HSE got that no but does that not and mean that con- the only one that's really a crisis critical point is housekeeping then it is yeah and
5: how convenient how convenient we got an email last night from Sean Cregan from SIP2 bringing all this up. How convenient when it was on the TV and the, and, and the, whole, the whole thing has gone to a crisis point right? that they are able to send that email last night. At and that what SIP2 are
2: SIP2 saying about it? And what are SIP2 saying about your conditions of employment?
5: Well, first of all, I the think they were saying once about, about the holidays. We regret to inform you this and that. Unfortunately, and this is the best one. Like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of families, you know, and, and mothers and fathers working inside there. There's communions and confirmations that are coming up. That's in March, and that's the first thing they pointed out. They said, she said on the letter. That was printed after us by via email last night. I could read it out
2: to you, but you wouldn't have the time for it. And which is this? The uh, SIP two letter or the uh, housekeeping uh, service manager no, f- from from, from SIP two? Okay, I, you and know I'm going to try and see if I can talk to uh, your SIP two rep because she is very forthcoming anytime I ask. So I'm quite sure she's alarmed and alerted as well. But just give me give me the the. the uh, did every staff member get the letter that you're going to read me?
5: No, well I I got it, I only got it last night.
2: Last day as a SIP you know two I mean? member. Yeah. Okay. And what part did you want to read? I know it was just the part that, like they said, um, oh, uh, you can't. You, the
5: holidays, the holiday leaf is now taken off for March. So we can, we can try and give the holidays. They're not rejecting our holidays, but they've said we'll try our best to accommodate people, but not in March. Definitely
2: not in March. That is fully taken. So had people, well, put in, had people put in for March for Communions? Of course, I did myself. And are you now told you know, that you can't attend your child's Communion? You, you, can't, you can't go. Like I've,
5: I'm, I, I'm fortunate I don't have kids. But like I did, I did ring my brother my sister. My sister's in that loan, My brother's in Clarney. And I'm kind of going, sorry lads, because of this bull
2: that's going on, I can't go anywhere. Okay, yes, it's it's it, okay, so it doesn't that doesn't really impact on you, I get that. But a mother or a father in the CUH I, yes can't go saying. can't get time to go yeah. to their child's communion. Both yes,
5: there are people on holidays and that have gotten holidays over that space of time. It's like me going out with you on my break and saying, Neil, how are you getting on? And you were saying Arshad, things are great this morning. I got approved, I got approved for my relief and I didn't. So what do you think then? The consequences are for that? Well, first of all, I'm not happy. You're not happy because I'm at because you're after telling me. You know, and, and, and that's not fair. It's not right. Should people should allow people people take okay.
2: all that Okay. So just finally for now, um, should people be um, wary or alarmed or alerted that maybe cleanliness and sanitation at the CUH is not as it should be? You don't even I'll have to say, answer I'll that I'll if you don't wish. I'll
5: no, all I'm going to say in that comment is need. all I'm going to say in that comment is, if you do not have the staff, how can the jobs be done? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and it's not, it, it's not, it's like it is a job, we are housekeeping. Like I've only two hands, how many of you? Two. You know, yeah. that's, that's what I'm putting it down to. Yeah. So either get your act together or don't do it at all. And housekeeping staff should stand together and make a front. Not one or two or three down the corridor talking about us. Everybody get together and now is the time to do it. Okay, Not th-
2: tomorrow, now. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you to you and everybody else so far. Your thoughts are welcome on that text 0868104106. Can I also say um, if you are visiting um, the CUH, perhaps you have been in there, perhaps you have a loved one there, perhaps you're on the wards or have been on the wards. Uh, and you have any observations to make with regards to how you found them, uh, do get in touch. Text 0868 104 106. Um, And a lot of the time people get in touch by email. You can do that as well, Neil at redfm.ie We're back after 11. Call
0: Neil now. 0818 The Neil Brenderville Show on Red FM.
2: Uh, let me just jump in here because otherwise time will get away from his massive response by text. Uh, I'm working in another Cork hospital and we too are worried about the work embargo. The embargo on hiring staff seems to be just thrown around and in the long run it's the patients ultimately who are suffering. Whoever sent or signed the no-leave email in CUH has broken in Employment Law. Leave is a legal entitlement. Maybe a solicitor could take a case pro bono, says Paddy. The HSC will be and should be the next place to be deeply investigated, not unlike RTE agency staff, no sick pay, no holiday pay, no pension, no retirement benefits it'd be cheaper to give up the job uh, the overdevelopment of the cuh campus will come back to haunt the hsc and its users patients and staff can't access the facility as it is wilton and its environs can't cope the end result will be a terrible shortage of staff as people will simply refuse to work here uh, you know you think if you think that it's any way better say for instance within private health care think again you may well be paying vast amounts of money to your VHI and your, and your layers and what have you. But I was talking to somebody recently who wanted to use their own health insurance to get access to an MRI scan uh, and was referred by a GP for an MRI. And in this case, it was to the Matter Private. Um, I uh, heard recently uh, that the waiting list, even say, for instance, in a place like the Matter Private for something like an MRI scan is eight weeks. Now the matter may come back now and disagree with that number but that's the number that I was told it was being eight weeks. Uh, so for somebody in an awful lot of pain, whether you're private or public it ain't making much difference these days. Anyway, lots more text than that and lots more besides after 11. Back after 11. The
0: Neil Prendiville Show on Red FM conversation
2: that matters. Text 0868-104-106. It's always great to give updates to different stories we were working on and yesterday morning out of the blue, Russell Bevan was on the air himself and his, and his wife, Teresa Bevan, Russell and Teresa Bevan. Their old Ford Focus packed in at 300,000 kilometres and of course that is the card that delivers Meals on Wheels with the Farnry Community Association all over the north side, like anywhere up to 250 meals a week over seven days. So he got on the air, Russell just asking if there was anybody that might be able to help them out and Fergus from Blackpool Auto Centre on the watercourse road, rang the show and offered, and it was gratefully accepted, um, a car I believe it will be a Kia Seed with uh, just over 100,000 kilometres on the clock but That's it. Just the kindest, most generous offer from everybody at Blackpool Auto Centre. And I thank them for that. Would you believe that even um, in the space of less than 24 hours, that car has now been serviced completely by Dave Kelleher Motors at the Glen Industrial Estate up on the Glen. And I want to thank Dave Kelleher for doing the servicing and indeed also Fergus from Blackpool Auto Centre. Um, for providing the car so again I mention because when people help us I encourage you to support them Dave Kelleher Motors up at the Glen Industrial Estate um, for servicing and indeed if you're in the market for a motor car why not just check out Fergus and the gang at Blackpool Auto Centre? You might never know. There might be something there you'd like. But I'm only saying I'm just passing it on because it's important to pass on, isn't it? Uh, for all other business, text 106. God, those poor workers in the CUH talking about their place of work and still continuing to go to work? It sounds shockingly bad there, says Marie in Clon. I'm listening to the show as always, and I'm a healthcare assistant with the HSE. I won't mention names, but I completely agree with the people you've on air. It's shocking. I'm in the process of a notice period. The relief I feel is unreal that I'm leaving. The seniority slash junior bullying is unreal. I was in CUH with a patient for 11 months, locked into a room. That I don't understand. So can you please come back to me and explain how... You know what? What? What what is the medical necessity? I don't know. Um, Anyway, the reason we have agency staff is because the senior staff and the HSC know how to play the system. What would happen on my twelve-hour shift if I didn't cover um, everything and cover breaks, even to go to the toilet? Uh, No one uh, from the HSC uh, turns up. You ring an agency end of story people love agency work because you can have some control over your work and your life balance as an agency worker in the HSE once you're in it's like you've signed your life over obviously it depends on your strength of mind also and just another few everyone wants a team to do their job rubbish rubbish Not quite sure what you mean by that. Um, Teams are important, working as part of a team. Uh, On the parking issue, parking is a joke in the CUH. I'm commuting over an hour every day now to work in the CUH. Now I need to leave more time for the park and ride you see the CUH is just greedy they want every discipline of medicine with no facilities for their staff now they're building a children's hospital on top of everything else and no parking for staff or patients where does all this stop I tell you something out here in Corraheen the amount of cars that have been arriving and every week there's more and more of them I'd say it's probably full now at this stage and this is a big university uh, technology park and the park and ride they've got their own coaches then taking the staff to the cuh all day long ferrying back and forth i'm sure there are amazing people drawing the dole or ukrainians in cork who might love a job even temporarily out in the cuh there is a hiring embargo in the hsc so they can't actually hire anybody so instead they spend millions 1.83 billion is the figure we added up this morning In the last three years on agency staff. I know a girl working four nights on, four nights off, eight to eight in that hospital. She is completely exhausted all of the time. She comes home, gets about four hours sleep because she has to get up to do the school run. All this while she pays €1,850 monthly for her mortgage, sold by this corrupt government to a vulture fund. The country is screwed... When, oh when, are we going to stand up to all of this? And one final one, Paddy says, that the CUH built a six-level multi-storey car park charging the public €3 an hour or part of it they could nearly finance the CUH itself for an entire year. Did no one think of that, says Paddy. Yeah. And what do you think would happen then if people were going in and out of the CUH and they were being charged €3 euro an hour for the pleasure of doing it? It would be a lot longer in the multi-storey than one hour or 59 minutes, I can tell you. Anyway, text 0868104106, The Neil Prendival Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. Back after the break.
0: The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters.
2: Um, you're aware that Tony Holohan is getting a new job, a different job. He's the former Chief Medical Officer. He's lined up a new medical role. I'm reading from Fionn Sheehan's copy in the Independent. He's lined up a new medical role after his previous planned job collapsed in scandal. You remember, I think it was the uh, uh, the Trinity College job. Uh, he became a household name during COVID. Uh, poised now to become a consultant in public health medicine. On a far bigger salary. Good luck to me. He'd be working specifically on cancer prevention and treatment, despite his role in the cervical check scandal being the source of controversy as well. So the new job is 257 grand, well above what he was paid as a chief medical officer. Some text was suggesting how, if there's an embargo within the uh, HSC, can a job like that be created if they're not hiring? an interesting question text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. meanwhile um, I mentioned earlier on this morning in different uh, conversations and indeed with the very first email that I read out from somebody working in housekeeping it's so bad in housekeeping work has quadrupled there's no support there's men and women who did everything during COVID get zero recognition and the email I then goes on to talk about colleagues upset crying broken and I don't say this lightly uh, I used to love going to work I genuinely did but now I hate my job Um, And then talks about uh, the level of work, the lack of staff, and on top of it, adding insult to injury. Uh, another notice now saying that annual leave approval for the next few months will be very limited perhaps very limited is another way of saying all leave is cancelled so as SIP2 represent many of the workers in that area of the uh, CUH Sharon Cregan is the SIP2 industrial organiser of health division out there represents staff and joins me by phone Sharon good morning You, morning, you, you are clearly aware of all of this and lots more besides um where to begin Um, one of the aspects that people seem very annoyed about is that they got bypassed for increases in wages they call it banding the banding issue job of when other departments particularly after covid did get moved up the bands and got wage increases Um, what are your thoughts on that alone
10: well, I suppose just to talk about the banding, Neil, there was, um, you may recall, a number of years ago, I spoke to yourself on your show, there was um, strike action outside outside quite a number of the large hospitals nationally in relation to a job evaluation scheme process and the job evaluation scheme process that pertained to the support grade um, staff nationally, which would be porters, housekeeping, key, um, catering, security and all of the other uh, support staff grades. The job evaluation process was there to uh, evaluate the positions and the, the, the job descriptions, and to see how they've evolved over the years, and to you know hopefully at the end of the processes to um, implement a regrade or an upgrade. Um, a lot, quite a lot of grades were successful in those evaluation. Um, uh, exercises, uh, they went on over a pe- period of years, there were four different phases, unfortunately housekeeping, um, stroke domestic staff grade nationally wasn't successful so I presume that that is what uh, you, the, the, the members are referring to or they the are. you've spoken to are referring to They are,
2: yeah, yeah. so why would so they be the treated any differently to anybody else?
10: Well, you see, it it was a process, so there was a a submission of evaluation forms that members would have filled up, they would have been interviewed by evaluators, there was a scoring um, mechanism, and unfortunately the housekeeping grades, not just in the CUH, Neil, but nationally, um, didn't succeed in securing a regrade. Now, at the moment, in the CUH, if we can speak about the CUH specifically, there are negotiations ongoing with senior management uh, and housekeeping and catering management in respect of trying to secure for the housekeeping staff uh, the higher band. So, we're in the middle of those negotiations as we speak.
2: Okay, okay. because at this stage they got bypassed when others didn't possibly. Everybody else got it, but they didn't get it and it's left a very bad taste after COVID and everything they went through, right? They feel shattered, they feel broken.
10: Yes, well, to be honest, Neil, I will publicly say, and I've said it many times before, I still don't understand what happened. That that didn't allow them to be um, upgraded. I'm not, I don't, we, we don't, we're not involved in the actual evaluations okay. or the scoring processes, Neil. It's an independent okay. Okay. process, so obviously we have to stand back.
2: Well, one caller just before 11 there, he described it. He says that those involved in housekeeping are treated like dog's bodies.
10: Well I suppose there are quite a number of issues and elements feeding into the the problems in housekeeping in the CUH. One of the main ones at the moment uh, is the, the moratorium. Now the government seem to believe Neil, that um, there's no issue. There's no issue here. But they're not the people on the ground and it's fine to say when you're above in government buildings or even in your constituency office that there are no issues because of a recruitment embargo but this recruitment embargo you know it was dropped on people it happened uh, out of the blue Um, it came on the 13th of October 23 certain grades outside of support staff and so on Uh, were exempt. And then within a couple of weeks, those grades were also incorporated onto the embargo.
2: But you see, maybe, maybe, maybe politicians don't know and government don't know because the chain of command aren't telling them um, that, you know, they're keeping everything under wraps so as to, you know, maybe not shine any light on their own performance. I
10: understand what you're saying. Well, I can tell you, Neil, that there is uh, in the public services. There are public service unions, quite a number of unions, and um, quite very strong, uh, with high membership right throughout the services and w- within the health uh, public service unions. There is a committee or a group of unions who who cooperate and join forces together in terms of uh, issues of common interest and the moratorium within the health service is an issue of common interest in fact the moratorium within the health service is not just an issue for the workers in the health services, it's an issue for the public. Okay so, so let's look at that then is,
2: should they, the public have been alerted this morning that they need to be aware perhaps that sanitation and cleanliness and hygiene are not as good as they should be in our hospitals or certainly in the CUH from what I'm hearing.
10: Well, in terms of um, of the public, what the public need to know is that there are major staffing shortages within the health services nationally, not just in Cork, not just in the CUH, nationally. There are gorgeous units, new bills, uh, extensions on, on health facilities that cannot be opened, Neil, because of the fact that the staff can't be recruited. But why, so why, then, are but why
2: then do they find £1.6 billion for agency staff? It doesn't even include agency housekeeping, apparently.
10: Well, the problem with, with agency staff, well, the thing, not the problem with agency, but the issue in terms of agency, mean is that since COVID, even during COVID, people were running away from health services, if I can say it that way. I mean, people, the, the interest in public sector jobs, particularly in the health services, is not as great as what it used to be as what it used to be prior to COVID. If you inter- if you um, advertised a recruitment campaign for healthcare assistants or porters or housekeeping staff or catering or whatever, or any grade within the hsd uh, prior to COVID, you would always have quite a long, um, a, a large group of applicants.
2: And why has it changed now?
10: Because I suppose, Neil, COVID was a horrendous, Um, pandemic. It's still amongst us. It's not gone away. So don't anybody believe that there's nobody in hospital anymore with COVID because there are people still suffering with it. It was a a dreadful situation for staff in the health services and public services in particular. And while we were all working from home safe and sound, they were running into the fire every single day of the week.
2: But it doesn't really matter if people do or do not wish to go into that line of work they can't even if they wanted to because of the embargo. So when staff are leaving, Absolutely. they're not being replaced. And staff always leave and get other jobs or they retire, etc. So th- this is a serious crisis added so much now that apparently this note was, for this printed note was left on a board out there saying, and is this only for housekeeping staff, that annual leave. They use the word limited. Um, mm-hmm. So... But what what, what is, is, that a, is that allowed even? Is that even legal? Well,
10: in terms of annual leave, every employee, uh, regardless of where they work is entitled to, annual leave. And the law, the Organisation of working Time Act sets down the statutory minimum entitlement, Neil. And within the public services, staff will be entitled to a couple of days more than the statutory. Um, and that's no no less than they deserve in fairness. But... In terms of limited annual leave, I suppose if I may me just explain how it happens and I'm sure you'll understand. Um, in every employment, you have to limit the um, allocation of annual leave because if you have 10 staff, you can't let all 10 staff off together at the same time. Yeah, but you
2: don't need, and you don't has, need a notice on a notice board to tell people that. The notice well, is there because it's crisis at this stage. They're saying it's well, because I mean, of the embargo.
10: Absolutely. And with respect, I didn't put the notice there. And I'm sorry that that notice was put there. Um, it's you know people. Need, it needs to be explained to people. You know, management in the hospital believes they were doing the right thing, but I didn't put that notice there. And obviously now it has completely upset people, which is quite understandable. It has agitated people. It has made a bad situation in, in the workers' views worse. We we've dealt with it with management. We're waiting on a meeting with senior management. Um, We're looking at what what can we do. I mean, everybody's hands are tied behind their backs here, Neil, in terms of the recruitment ban, uh, the recruitment freeze and the embargo. The problem here as well is that over the years in the CUH and in other locations, particularly in CUH, because it's such a large campus, such a large campus, the housekeeping department and other departments would bring students in part-time workers, which was great tabless workers, they'd bring them in at the high annual leave demand periods of the year, midterms, Easter, summertime, Christmas time, yeah. and they would bring the students in as locums, and they would work, and therefore you're able to free up addition at your staff, you're allowed to give them the annual leave, you're able to sanction annual leave to a high extent, Wherever, whenever possible. But are there other areas you can't recruit But are there?
2: Okay, so we're looking at housekeeping. We're, we've been looking at portering, kitchens, and security. Are, so, are 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 kitchens, our security, are portering in the same situation as housekeeping? Are there other divisions within the Cuh that are very unhappy with their job, overworked, underpaid, overstretched, or is it just housekeeping? Because that's all I'm hearing about well, this morning. Is it that they're the okay. ones that talk up the most?
10: Well, I suppose in terms of the overstretching and the uh, undervalued, all all health service workers in in COVID and and prior to COVID and post-COVID or post the pandemic uh, would, would obviously feel that way. And it's quite understandable, Neil, because I speak to members in the health services every single day of the week. That's my job. I liaise with staff, I liaise with management, and it's not getting any easier. It's certainly not getting any easier in the public services and health in particular and the very fact that there are major recruitment and retention issues prior to the embargo Neil prior to the embargo major recruitment and retention issues for the first time ever the HSC went international advertising for support staff a number of years ago which they've never done they would always internationally advertise for nursing you know allied health professional grades Consultants, etc., etc. But they had to advertise uh, internationally for support staff grades, which was unheard of. Um, if they can't get staff, if they if they're putting out uh, recruitment advertising and campaigns, they're looking to recruit staff. You may not, you know, I, I somebody's manager told me recently they put a, a, a recruitment campaign out for six weeks and they got two applicants. Unheard of! It's unheard of, Neil, what? because of the situation within after COVID and the continuing situation in terms of underfunding in the overall public sector and the public services, the waiting lists, Everything, okay. you know, the okay. backlogs in hospitals and so on. So there's a huge okay. amount then,
2: into this. Then you have to treat your staff with respect and value them. And, ye- and yet, and yet, I've here this morning, and these are direct quotes. I have seen grown men and women verbally mistreated by some management. That's one. Another one here: the uh, seniority against juniors bullying is unreal in the CUH. Do you have any? Um, do you have any evidence at all of bullying, intimidation, or harassment? Mistreatment well, of staff? Neil,
10: if if anybody wishes to raise an issue uh, within the within the COH or any other employment, no. they are in, they are entitled to do that. Particularly particularly if there are issues such as you mentioned there yourself bullying, intimidation, harassment. I mean, they're quite serious issues, and there are policies in place. I've, you know, in the past, um, we we deal with, the union deals with those issues and supports the member throughout the processes whereby the issues have to be dealt with, and they're taken quite seriously. So whilst I understand the people will say, oh, there's a lot of bullying and harassment, etc., etc., I'm not inundated with calls of that nature. Okay. I'm not saying, okay. Neil, out, can I just say that I'm not saying that people aren't feeling that way I'm saying that as the union official people haven't come to me in droves to say
2: that to me. So the, the emailer says it makes me mad to see my colleagues upset, crying, broken and I don't say that lightly incidentally also apparently HSE knows or CUH knows when HICWA's coming to town is that, is that right? They get advance notice? Do you know anything about that?
10: I'm not. I, I'm not sure about okay. that. Neil, to be okay. honest, I mean, most of the time they're unannounced inspections, but there could be where they are in announced inspections, such as in nursing homes and so on. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to. But no, to
2: that but, no, it's I not for you. Notified. I'm just. I'm just thinking yes. as a layperson. that no hicwa or no any kind of health and safety investigation should ever be announced. It should be impromptu, unannounced. I mean, then you'll find out what's really going on. Yes. I, I would think. Yes. So, so if the staff say, for instance decide to wish to have industrial action, say housekeeping for instance, would SIP2 support a strike? i been hearing from a family member of housekeeping staff that they've been told that they will get no support from SIP2 if they decide to go industrial on this.
10: Sorry, Lee, could you repeat that, please? I'm
2: saying would if the staff decide that they wish industrial action or a, st- or a strike, would SIP2 support them in that?
10: Well, obviously, we would have to work through the processes, Neil. We're all bound, the staff and the unions and the HSC are bound by national agreements. So there are in- industrial relations processes, as you know, um, in place. You can't just walk into a-, a location and say, we're not happy with this, let's all walk outside the gate. That's not how it happens. People might believe that's how it happens, but nobody presses a nuclear button until you've exhausted the avenues by which you need to go down well, in line with... Your I know, I understand that and
2: it's only right and proper because otherwise there would be chaos. But the, the reason for it ultimately would be because of it, would be because of an embargo on hiring staff and the implications mm-hmm. that's having, say, to housekeeping and potentially the implications it's having, having for patients and their, and their families. That on that basis you would threaten industrial action if the embargo is not. Well, lifted. I-
10: well, I can say that that would be taken at a national level of the Irish Congress, trade unions, public sector unions, particularly the health unions, because it's not just our, our members, SIP2's members, that are suffering here. It's all members uh, and, and non-members even of unions uh, and workers in the health services at the moment. And I would, I would imagine, Neil, that um, this has been looked at. I know this has been looked at very, very seriously. Uh, at a national level with the unions involved in the health services, our own included. I know that there's been regular engagement and liaison with the feeder management and the Department of Health on this. I, you know, you know that joint of care is coming down the road uh, fast and furious at Neil, as well. And that's going to have you know, and uh, that's going to raise its own issues. The disbanding of the HSC, hmm. the establishment of the regional health areas nationally, etc. And that's, going, that's starting to happen this year. Okay. Uh, so all of that combined is definitely brewing up a storm in terms of um, the the, uh, the the issues affecting staff
2: on the ground. But you, you do the accept there are the issues way. for staff in the CUH. They, they wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be getting this amount. Of absolutely,
10: yeah, yeah. absolutely, Neil. And, and for and and, like people will know, they will probably see me. I'm I'm in the CUH campus quite a lot of the time, every week, dealing with those issues as best as we can. They're brought to our attention. We engage with management quite a bit of the time. We resolve them. The problem at the moment, Neil, is. It's Nobody can get a resolution on the issue at the moment regarding recruitment and, re- and and backfilling the positions. We're trying to be creative. We're trying to think outside the box. Unfortunately, it's the staff and the workers, the members on the ground that are getting the full force of it. Because and that could be a father or a mother
2: who cannot go to their child's communion. I mean, it might sound like small change to some people but it, it's a big deal. Can't go to a communion it, in March. Their child's communion.
10: When the, well, Neil, first of all, no, um I'm not sure about any situation in that regard. And if somebody rings me and says that I've been denied a day of to go to my child's communion or confirmation, in particular in March, then obviously I have. I would be the first to pick the phone up to management and go to senior management in that respect, if we have to, on behalf of that person. Okay. In terms of applying for leave, what management has said was that they they have given their quota of leave for March now in fairness Neil if you have communion or a confirmation coming up I'd imagine that you would put your, your request for leave in pretty early particularly if it's a child or you know, a sibling or whatever but management has said that March's annual leave quota has been reached okay. and there's a quota okay. in every department
2: Okay, okay, okay. Unfortunately,
10: they have said that they are open to um, accepting and and sanctioning um, leave for April and May. And, of course, they'll hit a quota there too, like every other department. Um, And then for the summer months, Neil, we need to look at that very, very seriously. And we've asked for an urgent management in the CUH and that is to occur at some point next
2: week. Okay, we'll stay in touch in that regard and all other matters. Thank you for now Sharon Cregan with SIP uh, 2 Keep your own text coming, particularly if you're a staff member at the CUH text 0868104106 if you have a longer story to share email neil at uh, redfm.ie I want to talk to Liz Dunphy from the Examiner after the break because two men have been charged now, charged in connection with the 33 million drug seizure uh, in Cork Port. More on that after the break.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Red
2: FM. Yes, indeed. Uh, An update with regards to, uh, actually the Guardian have established that the 33 million euro worth of drugs discovered at the Port of Cork is absolutely 100 percent crystal meth um, meanwhile i was telling you earlier on this morning the two men uh, are being held under section 50 of the criminal justice act uh, with uh, which deals with allegations associated with organized crime etc and both were being questioned there was extensions given for that questioning but that time would have run out at about half past 10 this morning um, uh, one of those arrests is a well-known businessman uh, hasn't come to the attention of the guardian in the past, the other man's a man former son of a former politician, but time ran out this morning, and at that stage, a call had to be made on it, and Liz Dunfee, journalist with the Irish examiner, is actually on the way down uh, to uh, the Kerry area as we speak and joins me by phone. Liz, good morning. My apologies. let me just let me just sort this out now, Liz. there you are. Liz, good morning. Thanks so much for taking the call. Can you bring us up to date on what's happened in the last hour or so, Liz?
11: Yeah, so basically, as you mentioned, there are two men who are both in their 40s, have now been charged in connection with this historic seizure of almost 33 million worth of crystal meth that's a notorious drug which I think people will be aware of particularly if they ever watched the TV series Breaking Bad yeah. The a highly addictive substance can be extremely extremely dangerous obviously um, and it's unusual to, to see such a big shipment of crystal meth in Ireland it's not a very common drug in Ireland um, Garda-, Garda sources say so it's, it's now believed that this shipment was actually destined for Australia where it would have commanded multiple times you know the 33 million euro amount that it's quoted as being worth here so two men have now been charged um, they're due in Tralee District Court for a special sitting at about one thirty pm today um, as you said the, the time was running out and they had to be released or charged today so it's probably good news for you know Gardaí and the revenue commissioners this was a, very much a joint exercise between the two bodies I believe um, that, that they have this um, this charge now or these two charges now. Um yeah, so as I said, the so the, the drugs were actually seized in Cork as well, it's worth saying, last Friday, as I'm sure your listeners will be aware of. Um seized from the, the from Cork port at Ring of Skitty, Um but yeah it's believed that they were due to be exported out of the country.
2: Yeah to us five hundred and forty six kilos of, of crystal meth. What mm. what typically happens and of course innocent proven guilty and the courts will, will, will decide on, on whatever ultimately but what typically happens at a, a special sitting Today at, at half past one, uh, we have two people charged. What, what? How does that play out?
11: Yeah, so I mean, they, they'll presumably pre- pre- be presented to the court. The charge sheets will be read out or the charges will be read out to the court. They may guilty or not guilty but they'll they'll probably reserve that and and that that'll probably be about the size of it there may be some details given um of of what happened when when the drugs were seized but it'll it'll probably be a case of the charges being read out and
2: um and at that at that stage today and if you don't know it's fine Mm -hmm. to say i don't know would they be identified or or named or would there be reporting restrictions today
11: well, I mean, that depends on the judge. Sometimes, sometimes I mean, there may be, um, particularly if there are concerns about links to organised crime, but usually the people would be named okay. um, today and there wouldn't be reporting restrictions around that in the normal... Um,
2: of of events. Events. Okay, so you'll be, you'll be there at Tralee District Court for the examiner, assumingly, at half past one yeah. this afternoon. Okay, yeah. drive safely, yeah. Liz, and thank you so much for taking the call. I do appreciate the update. Thank you. That's Liz okay, Dunphy, okay. journalist with the Irish Examiner, on the way to uh, what will be Tralee District Court for a 1.30 sitting two men charged in connection with the seizure both in their 40s arrested as part of the investigation uh, due to appear before a special sitting of Tralee District Court half past one today Uh, obviously I won't have any updates on that one for you because it won't be on the air but I know the FM newsroom certainly will uh, both on air and indeed online. Text 0868 um, I've got live music to play us out this morning again to start out your weekend and thank you to Owen Hennessy and Live Music Promotions. We have uh, the band Mali in Studio Megan Alley uh, on uh, vocals uh, and on keys Angela Presta and on guitar Nono Presta. Father and son there as well. So more on that in a few minutes' time to play us out with at least one, if we behave, maybe two. Uh, We need at least 100 new cleaning staff. Some wards go without a full clean because of a lack of staff. You have patients with flu mixed with COVID patients. Cleaning staff aren't told if a person has COVID. Doors are left open when they should be closed, etc., etc. I read out part of that text earlier on. The rest of it says, Cleaning staff are pulled from other areas to take up the slack. So if you have five cleaners in A&E, two are redirected to another area, the three remaining expected to do the work of the five. Also, cleaning staff are expected to clean blood and bodily fluids, which would normally be the job of a porter or a healthcare assistant. We're not getting any extra help. We are struggling. Management won't roll their sleeves up to help. Regarding the Parking. Some people are commuting up to an hour extra because of the 5,000 staff parking places that were taken away from staff. Some are leaving because it's too much hassle to get to work. So keep those coming, and I will return to the conversation on Monday. I promise you that. But just ahead of all of that, ja- um, oh, I'm sorry, Janice was on line one, but not there now. Um, so maybe I might do the text or just do an ad break and see if I can set her up uh, after the ad break. Let's have a look. The Neil
0: Prenderville Show on Red FM. That matters.
2: And from earlier on this morning, uh, within RTE and the controversies that roll on, if you resigned in the private sector, Neil, you wouldn't even get welfare for at least six weeks because you walked out on the job. How different it is in RTE. Who's in charge of RTE, says Paddy? Who actually calls the shots ultimately? Nirahalig or Backhurst? Why are these, why are there two positions? Maybe uh, there's some waste. No, actually, um, who ultimately, the board ultimately controls all the shots? I spent some time on the board. Uh, of the Crawford and that's how it worked ultimately the board would see everything would make any kind of not the day-to-day stuff obviously you'd have the director looking after that but any of the big shots would be called by the board so if I were to answer that question who's ultimately top of the tree in charge it would be Shunni Rahalig with regards to you know, signing off on, on certainly issues involving golden handshakes, you would think. Uh, generally while the chairperson of a company technically has a higher level of power, the, the DG or the CEO and you know, would be really the direct day-to-day runner, uh, but would be very much answerable to the board of directors. Uh, why not cut RTE loose? I know. We don't need a public sector media station. The government owns the airwaves, or at least the broadcast licenses. So why RTE? Just let it go. Well, I don't think you should let it go, but one of the questions that needs to be asked is if it's public sector why do they take advertising what have you okay i'll come back to everything else on uh, monday morning i want to play out with the tune now in a couple of seconds time but just a fast one alan hello can you hear me all right pal yeah okay there's a slight delay um just just tell me the backstory here with regards to these dogs that are they sorry this this douglas attack um because we're hearing way too what happened
12: uh, I was just working in Oak Fire Pizza and I looked out the window. This is Douglas now
2: as opposed to a city branch, yeah?
12: Yeah, in okay. Douglas. Yeah. And there was boys just fighting outside and then these two other lads started taking a video of them and he jumped up and kicked them in the face. And then I went outside and someone else came out as well and the two lads ran off. And another two young boys were his just at the bus stop in Douglas and they came running up talk for so I told them to come into the restaurant so that they'd be safe from the two lads
2: Were they being chased Alan?
12: Yeah the two yeah, the two lads hit them at the bus stop and then they were chasing them and then they ran off then after that Just
2: just standing these lads just waiting for a bus these young teens Yeah They did nothing to them Do you give them a bag of ice Was there, were there cuts or were they bruised? Yeah one fella had a bad
12: enough ice so I just gave him ice in a bag and wrapped the towel around it to, to give it up to his face
2: to freeze it and did their parents come or did anybody collect them or guards or anything like that yeah the the mum came
12: pretty soon after she was in a bit of a panic oh, understandably then, yeah so the other three lads were outside then and their mothers came as well
2: well I think that was a very kind thing you did in fairness to you it really was uh, wonderful gesture on your behalf to look after those two young fellas. So that's two different incidents you witnessed in Douglas. Yeah, the
12: yeah the two lads were at the bus stop. So then the two lads that hit them walked around the corner to the
2: barber and then
12: hit on to another three lads.
2: Do you and are you out there regularly? Uh, there's a lot of attention towards Douglas these days with anti. Well, let's not call it anti-social behaviour. This is thuggery. Do you do you, do you think it's getting worse?
12: Uh, that was the first thing I saw really but I've heard other stories about that yeah
2: <sighs> why Why do you think that is why is there so much anger you're you're a young fellow why do you think uh, I've no idea yeah you don't stop to
12: think uh, is. yeah well anyway uh, they're just l- taking videos of themselves doing and then it.
2: of course they've got the videos which they're posting on social media yeah
12: yeah man it's brain dead yeah they're videoing themselves hitting other people
2: it's just fucking stupid listen what you did was a wonderful thing for looking after those two young fellas getting them in and keeping them safe the other guys couldn't get in so they just legged it did they
12: yeah they just ran off unbelievable
2: well done nice gesture I'd love to I'd love to give you something for your troubles my friend um, uh, do you ever do any axe throwing any American axe throwing have you ever heard of that
12: no I've never done that do
2: you fancy going in with a pal and maybe throwing a few axes American axe throwing on French Church Street You'll have an awful lot of fun. Yeah, I'd love that. Wouldn't you like that? Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. I would, yeah. Okay. I'm going to get you a couple of vouchers to do some American axe throwing for your kind gesture on French char street. Well done. Stay in touch. we we'll get details from you and enjoy the afternoon, all right? Thanks very much. All right. Okay. You might take it up as an Olympic sport. Alan Lamour, who came to the aid of two lads who got a beating on a bus stop in Douglas. Where is it all going, lads? I don't know. Uh, If you got them involved in sport or in, in anything to do with uh, the performing arts, you know, maybe you might keep people on the straight and narrow. I mentioned that because in studio, haven't I a great, haven't I a great, um, brain for a good face? You huh? do
13: to be fair Tim. I saw your name <laughs>
2: Megan Alley and I said
13: there's no fooling you anyway you were in here with
2: me before why how long ago was it
13: all for all good things, anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> let, let me um, put that straight first.
2: <laughs> okay, so you've teamed up with Angelo and Nono, um, father and son. Where Where are you guys from? Are you all Breath Peaking, or where are you, Cork no, City? We're
6: like we're like kind of from Moyish area. We're, we're from like Castle Islands.
2: So <laughs> Dad, so Dad's on guitar, and Nono's on. Um, well, and no, you Nono's know it's me. It's the guitar. Okay, uh, I'm Angelo, and I'm. Uh, they
13: come as a package deal, deal. you know. <laughs> 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 okay, so
2: okay, so um, wh- whichever's playing keys and whichever's playing. <laughs> <laughs> we have keys and guitar and Megan. Um, so do you play together, all of you guys?
13: Yeah, so I suppose we only started playing in the last, I suppose, six, seven months. But I suppose when I met you first, I was mainly like a solo artist. Um, and then since then, I've created an album called Judgment Day. And then I was touring it. Where is it? Where's my car? I have it here, look.
2: Come on, get the act together there, here. Megan.
13: I've actually hidden a few uh, in Red <coughs> FM as vinyl. well. I actually have hidden them there now. How did you know that I love it. vinyl? I love I, I, love the vinyl. I think the, the sound is so much warmer. So it's always, it's always been a dream. That, to have a vinyl of my own.
2: I'm going to have to carry on my own tonight and I'm going to play... Uh, I'm, I'm gonna
13: have a glass of wine now. No, no I, don't, don't I, I, don't, I
2: don't touch the burning liquor. No, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's not cheap to put together, though.
13: No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But it, it, was, um, it, it was just something I always wanted to do. As I said, music keeps me um, physically poor but emotionally rich. <laughs> <laughs> but, what's, but what's great about uh I suppose, where I am right now, Neil, is... Um, I suppose I'm part of a band now so I have Pete on drums I have my my own brother on on backing vocals Angelo on keys and Nona on guitar and we actually all write stuff together so what's great now is not only do I suppose we have that album out we're actually recording new material at the moment as well Okay
2: and is this in Golden Discs?
13: It, It isn't but uh, you might do some PR there for me. And, okay, uh, <laughs> it should be,
2: it should be. But it's certainly online, is
13: it? It is, yeah. You can get it on Spotify or you can get it through my website. or Okay, yeah. so where are you gigging? Um, we're gigging in the uh, Ali Bar uh, on the 24th of, where, where of August. That? Where is that? It's in Clannacilty. Okay.
2: Yeah, okay.
13: yeah. So that's, we're, we're planning doing a Sail Away uh, tour because um, our, our next single is called Sail Away. So I that's the plan.
2: can't wait to hear this album. The album was called Judgment Day by Megan Alley. So let's see... For the pudding is in the tasting. Megan and Angelo and Nono uh, with the new single, um, Sail Away. I was told not to count you in because I always make a buzz. I don't know why I was told not to count you in. It's anticlimactic or something. I don't understand it. Off you go. One, two, three,
12: four.
13: It's not a sinking boat, it's real. And I can feel its warmth, I'm engulfed by the flame. I can't pull away, take me ashore. Hold me till dawn meets dusk. I've been waiting to feel some Down with this ship, bad omens left when I kissed your heart.
2: style you have. I'm getting shades of Dolores O'Riordan and people and everything like that. (laughs) Thank you. Sinead O'Connor, real attitude. Well done, guys. That was magnificent. The album is called Judgment Day. We got a sneak preview of the single Sail Away because that's not released till April. But the back catalogue of work is on Spotify. You're doing the biz on Instagram and you're doing your stuff as well on Facebook. That's it. Listen, it's great to see you coming in. Thank you so much. Megan Alley, Angelo and Nono Presta on Guitar and on electric keys. Wow, that was fantastic. Best of luck. Do stay, in touch, so right? stay in touch. Stay in touch with the guys to gigs and whatever. If you do Definitely. the sail away yeah, yeah. tour. I think we're hoping
13: to get Collins and we're hoping to get uh so we're just putting feeders out there now putting it out to the universe right, if they're listening in
2: yeah. Get this video or get yeah, this audio yeah, up online <laughs> Alright guys well thanks for coming in have a great weekend Mally uh, with Megan and Angelo and Nono I'm going to love you and leave you just one quick mention a big event happening in Kenturk Mart this coming Sunday for those of you that are into big truck runs big trucks there's a charity truck run this weekend a native Little Blue Heroes at Cantorque Mart on Sunday Monday, and they asked me to give it a shout out. Sign on from nine in the morning. Entry fee is ten euro, and all of the proceeds going to charity. And it's this Sunday morning at Canturk Mart. Be a great family morning out. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you Monday. When court
0: talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.